Welcome to episode 88 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Um, again, we blink and we're at another episode once again. And uh, also we're at episode Gareth Dutton this week as we hit number 88. Uh, we'll jump straight in. We're not at a uh, full one. Who's Gareth Dutton? Fair point. Well made. Fair point. I thought I was going to have to restart the recording then. I thought I'd call something. <laughs> I mean, you've done the worst that would have warranted we started recording, but... <laughs> Don't do that to me after that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start straight off with the bad news uh, this week. We're not joined by a full roster. Andy Stafford is on the IR list this week, uh, so there's just the three of us. Uh, we'll start off with the one you've just heard. Uh, Dave, how are you doing? All right now, thank you very much. Um, how are you, mate? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. It's uh, it's Super Bowl week this week. The long anticipated Super yes, Bowl. Yes, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be good. It should be good. It's the first time that we're. I think uh, certainly for me. I think the same for you as well, Dave. I'm not sure about you, Greff. It's the first time I've gone out into town to watch the game. So that'd be quite. That'd be quite fun. Presuming Greff's done it before. The NHL expert, oh, not NHL, NFL expert, even over there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I suspected. <laughs> weekend for more than one day as well and that was good on, on the rink on Saturday and then uh, in the pub on Sunday it's like the gift that keeps on giving too right too right fabulous boys how are you I, anyway Joe I'm alright I'm mate I, I don't think we can go any further without actually acknowledging the um, the long day that we have ahead of us on the, on Sunday I think Dave you well, you said Wednesday games on at 12.30 on, uh, on TV so Wednesday Rotherham so for those who are as fortunate to be a Wednesday fan, that's myself um, and Toy Town, God bless them, uh, at half twelve. Uh, Six Nations, England, Italy is at three o'clock. And then you obviously have Steels at home to Glasgow at four. And then, eventually, um, the Super Bowl at midnight. Rams against the beer Bengals. Yeah, that's a long day of sport, but a fun day of sport. Fun day of sport, too, right? Let's not even mention the Olympics. (laughs) (laughs) That's not mentioning the Olympics, and that's not mentioning any NHL, so, God. Well, I'm presuming they're all early NHL games, aren't they? Because I'm presuming they do the usual of of stinting the games so that they can watch the Super Bowl afterwards. Yeah, don't think they clash. Yeah. TV winner. So there's no point you're trying to compete with. No, absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. The last game's at uh, 7 o'clock our time. Which I think is a good thing. You know, we'll be looking after the European fan base. We probably are. Both stars in the UK. But looking after the European fan base oh, important. I know. It's just a shame that they have to do it on days where we've already got sport lined up. <laughs> oh, well, you, you win some, you lose some. This is true. Well, in fairness, Jen, 7 o'clock... The Steelers game's at four. We might be able to get back, back to mine for seven for some pre-drinks, watch the NHL game, chuck an, chuck an extra sporting event in. Down for that. <laughs> I'm game for that. 
<laughs> anyway, gents, hockey, elite league hockey. Let's stop planning the agenda. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I won through the scores uh, over the last week. I'm going to try and not screw them up, but I'm making no promises. Um, Friday the 4th, we had Belfast Giants beating Cardiff 5-3 at the first leg of the doubleheader in Belfast. Uh, on to Saturday, we had Belfast losing out 2-1 in a shootout to Cardiff. Uh, the Steelers beat Dundee Stars 5-4. Glasgow took a 2-1 overtime win against Nottingham. The Storm lost 4-1 at home against Coventry. And the Five Flyers won 4-2 in Kakadi against Guildford. Uh, Sunday, the Panthers lost out at home 2-1 in overtime to the Flyers. Um, the Steelers beat the Glasgow clan in Glasgow 6-3. Dundee Stars took a 4-3 shootout loss at home against Guildford. And the Storm took a 3-2 shootout loss on the road in Coventry. Uh, and then finally, Wednesday, we had Cardiff winning 4-2 against Glasgow. I believe that was 2-0 Glasgow at one point, so it wasn't... Uh, if you were a Steelers fan and you were looking at the, uh, the scores for your own benefit, then uh, it was one of those games, I think. Borderline at cat moment. Say again? It was borderline at cat moment. Yeah. Yeah, true. Um, and then the Belfast Giants smashed the Coventry Blaze 7-1. Uh, the Blaze without CJ Mott as he was on COVID protocol. They had one extra player as well. I think with two players in COVID protocol, one injured, they called it about four or five guys Sunday in the NHL. Yes. Yeah, I had two bets on. I had a 5-1 five, a five win and a 6-0 win for the Giants. Oh, I wasn't far off, but... Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jets, highlights. Yeah, I'll go with the Glasgow clan against the Nottingham Panthers. The battle of the New York Black teams. 2-1... Uh, Two one Glasgow in overtime. It was a goal from JC Brassard for Panthers in the first period. In the second period, Matthew Waugh scored. And then in overtime, forty eight seconds into overtime, Brendan Sh- uh, sorry Braylon Schmier on his gives his debut gets the overtime winner. Sounds like a good game to me. I'll stick with Glasgow, um, but Glasgow against Sheffield. And uh, first of all, first time seeing them with the webcast, and it won't be the last because apart from the dubious camera in the penalty box, I appreciate why because that was the team's entrance and exit. How was a damn good webcast that Glasgow had? Why it took them this long to do it, and why a pandemic to cause it? This year didn't it because it was absolute top quality. So that straight up um, as a game though. <laughs> It was insane. Uh, Glasgow went toe-to-toe. As they seem to have a, a, a bit of a theme of going 40 minutes, and then the last 20, they just kind of struggle. So, Glasgow took leave of uh, Colton Illahorn. The Steelers, Mitch Jones, um, was given the freedom of Glasgow um, in the offensive home to get the shot off Sernovich. Uh, Brandon Whistle, likewise, a beauty of a finish. Uh, if you have not seen that highlight, do so just for that goal alone. Uh, and then, then the Steelers kind of took control of the game. Emma Mosey uh, made it 3 2. Uh, Eberle with another penalty shot. Two penalty shots over the weekend that uh, Tan Eberle got and both scored. Um, Hodgman made it 5 2. Colin Hill, nice finish to make it 5 3. And Pollock with the empty net. 
But I have to say, as a game, end to end for a lot of stages of that game, and it was good value. Um, we, we've said that Glasgow are a team that can be tricky. Every team has a bogey team, and I just have this feeling that Glasgow, although Sheffield have come on top and all, that feeling that Glasgow is going to be Sheffield's bogey team this year. Yeah, and I know what you mean. It's been two close games against them so far. It was, a, it was an overtime win against them in the first game, wasn't it? So, yeah, certainly uh, two hard-fought games. Uh, my game is the Panthers against the Flyers, so we're going for a Neil Black special today, apparently, with uh, <laughs> all three highlights featuring Neil Black teams. Um, first period, goalless. Um, Chris Lawrence opening the game with a two-minute slashing penalty, four minutes in. Uh, the second period, the Panthers went up 1-0 through Josh Tetlow, assisted by Lane and Tho. Uh, and Tho. Uh, into the third period, the Flyers equalised through Matthew, Matthew Carter, assisted by Brandon McGee. That was at 45-44. Uh, and then into overtime, the Flyers took a 2-1 win, scored by Greg Chase, uh, three minutes 56 into overtime. Uh, we talked about it being a bit of a bizarre signing uh, of having Chris Lawrence <laughs> signed for Fife. Um, and apparently twice over the weekend he was thrown out of the game, and this one he was thrown out of the uh, five-plus game for boarding. So uh, not necessarily looking like the strongest addition for them so far, uh, but a great result for Fife, and that Fife actually took a four-point weekend, which I can't remember the last time that we could say that. Um, the Panthers had 63 shots on goal, so Shane Owen made 62 saves according to the stat sheet. Uh, the f- five Flyers only had 29 shots on, so... Uh, yeah, the Panthers con- uh, well, conceded two goals off those 29. Um, just looked like a cracking game, to be fair. Um, you always get that little bit of a giggle as a Steelers fan when you see the Panthers teams collapse, as I'm sure you do as a Panthers fan, uh, when it happens to Sheffield. And, uh, you know, obviously they've had some difficulties. I believe it was the last game with Mark Matheson as the coach and Steelers as the assistant coach. I uh, can't see that their new addition, who we'll discuss in a moment, uh, was on that sheet yet. Um but yeah, not a, not a great result for Nottingham, particularly being in Nottingham as well. Uh, I've seen one of the goals it went through as one of the top goals of the week, and I really don't understand why it was really the, the goal that I think it was Kevin Carr in net, but it was really a goal that Kevin Carr should have had hold of. Uh, I'm not sure whether that was the game winner or first goal, but a great result for Fife. Um, it, as a Fife fan, it seems weird to say, but it's quite nice seeing Fife get a few a few wins in the bag because. You see a team struggle that much, your head, I'm, I'm not going to lie, my head goes back to like when it was Edinburgh. Um, and, you know, you, you turn up every week to Edinburgh expecting a win. Uh, we know the way that that went for Edinburgh. And we, we know what Greth's feelings for Fife are by that by now. But I'm sure he'll agree that we don't want to see Fife leave the league. We don't want to lose a team like the league. Um, it's always a great away trip if you can make the trip. So it's nice to see them getting a few wins under the belt. Uh, and particularly with what we discussed a couple of weeks ago about the, the issues with comments made about Todd Duty, mate. Um, it's quite nice to see him get a few wins under his belt as well, maybe take the heat off him a little bit from the fan base. That's their first four-point weekend in a, a very long time. That's exactly what I was just about to call it. <laughs> Some of our friends are five fans are very excited about having a four-point weekend. And yeah, it's great to see. Um, it, as much as we mock them, I know Griff mocks them a hell of a lot, um, it's kind of one of the things you love to see because you know, they've got some good fan. They've got a good fan base, a lot of history, and you want to see them at least be competitive um, throughout. 
Yeah, certainly two unexpected results as well. I mean, if you look at the predictions from last week, um, out of the eight predictions between the four of us, there was only one actual correct prediction. That was Andy. Um, Andy tipped them to beat Guildford. Uh, the rest of us said Guildford, and everybody said um, Nottingham. So, as Andy's Andy not here, he can Well, that's true. So, right, so we didn't get any of them right for five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Owen must have been knackered. Definitely. Say again. Owen must have been knackered after that game. I know. Uh, I'm baffled by. I literally just seen. Literally just flicked onto it as I was uh, as I was looking. The amount of saves. And again, in fairness, they got outshot on the Saturday as well. Guildford had 39 shots, so he made 37 saves on the Saturday, and then whatever I just said, 62 saves or whatever on the Sunday. So that, that's that's craziness. Two weekends. Yeah, I appreciate the weekend before with three games, but two weekends of a hundred shots. Yeah. Plus, that's a that's a heavy workload. Um, that as a whole, makes it that that four foot weekend even sweeter. For yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And also nice to see Owen get some wins because I think with the with the performances that he's put in this year, he's deserved wins. Yeah. Um. Anything else to add on on scores highlights that? One more thing that no one else has seen it. Um, the shootout, Belfast Cardiff. Um, the player that still should be orange, and I despise the fact that he wears red of Cardiff. The penalty shot that Josh Waller took to absolutely undress uh, Telegascoarini. Uh, if you haven't seen it, look, it is a very good penalty shot um, for a kid of his age to do that to a, a goalie of his skill set. It's, it's another one of them things you have to see. I've seen some people say Beskarawani slipped, and I'm like, no. Let's no. just knowledge. He, no. And he's no shame in it at all. He no. out of his pants. He's interesting. Yeah. I just, I just hope he paid for dinner afterwards. Probably did, just for all the Cardiff team. <laughs> <laughs> have we got anything else, gents, or shall we move on to the next thing? We'll move on to the next thing. I'm seeing shaking heads. So, uh, we've got the airport section. Uh, we're on a roll, gents. Not forgetting sign-ins and, uh, and departures. No departures as far as I can see this week. Or, well, we've got a departure to another team. Um, so, the first that we have, we'll start with him straight off um, to the Glasgow clan. We have Braylon Schmier. What do we make of this one? Excellent. Pause while everybody opens the prospect. <laughs> I might just load up. Ex-girlfriend flight. Uh, played 15 games in the 1920 season. Uh, nice little production, in fairness. Um, he's probably, I suppose, given what their coach keeps saying on interviews, I just hope he's able to play for 60 minutes. Um, because they have an issue with that. Uh, but it looks like a good pickup. Um, he's got points wherever he's played. Um, yeah. It's the type of side in mean, best season was 17 18. I appreciate the two players. He had the 88 points in 72 games, and he had nine games in the East Coast with Alan Americans, and he got four points. Um, and then another five points in the playoffs run. He, he looks like he, he gets points pretty much where he goes. So I, I think this could be um, the signing they need. I know I've mentioned it a couple of times. Um, as long as he can play for 60 minutes, as I think that's the theme for Glasgow this year, um, but they can't, he'll do them good. 
Yeah, I, Chelsea is a pretty much a great signing for them. I mean, whilst playing for Guildford, 15 games, 12 points. And that was the season where it got halted as well because of COVID, the start of it. So that's brilliant for them. I mean, looking at where he played before Clan in the hockey year time, 24 games, 17 points. That's pretty decent, that. And obviously comes in to Clan, plays three games, gets a goal, the game winner against Panthers. It looks like it's going to be, a, hopefully, a stellar signing for them. Probably, possibly someone that could help them go that one step further and reach the playoffs. Yeah, um, <laughs> we, we heard Malcolm, uh, we heard Malcolm Cameron comment on that on you know a few weeks ago about how he was actively looking on the market, didn't like what they've got, commented on their inability to play. Um, a 60-minute game, and obviously, true to his word, he's brought a guy in, and he's brought a guy in that looks to be a good addition, like you guys have said. Um, you know, Dave, nail on the head, 12 points in 15 games, some great production, particularly in Guildford. We know that Guildford could often have a, a few high-point scorers, so to be up there uh, with the rest of them is a, is a good effort. Then to spend the, re- uh, you know, the next year, a few games in the ECHL, you know, good going. He's played three games for Glasgow so far with a point. So, you know, not really much more to say about it, gents. You know, he's, uh, yeah, it looks like a good addition. Glasgow, they're a strange team to, to read at the moment. And, and I think Malcolm got his spot on when he commented on the fact that they come out and play two good periods and then fizzle out towards the end. And, and that's definitely kind of what we saw to an extent in the Sheffield game on Sunday. Uh, so having seen that firsthand, like you say, Dave, hopefully... Um, he is a player that can play the full 60 and know that obviously he played on Sunday um, but you know first weekend in the club you would expect him to have you know probably finding his feet and that kind of thing so hopefully a good player that can bolster the team they have got a lot of potential they've got some great talent in that team we joked at the start of the season about the uh, the name of Colton Yellowhorn um, I mean two fantastic goals that he scored against us the, the second goal getting it onto the goals of the week so they have got a good team it looks like they're just missing something at the moment and uh, I'm, I'm sure that Malcolm Cameron is hoping that uh, that Braylon Schmier is the guy that they were missing uh, anything else on Braylon Schmier or are we happy to move to the next one so uh, Elite Prospects pages at the ready the next player that we have going from the Glasgow clan to the Dundee Stars we have Quinn O'Brien Yep, looking this season doesn't look like you he played I wouldn't say he played terribly, but looking points wise, fifteen games he's already got one point. The good start is he's got he's only a minus two. Which for their season that's pretty decent for the start of the season they had anyway. Before then, play came out of the Youth Sports League, played for University of Ottawa, where he was captain for one season, assistant for three. He put up some half decent numbers, so you're thinking, could this be another like diamond in the rough type of play? You could say, like we've seen in the Youth Sports League, a fair bit. Unfortunately, it's not worked out in. Glasgow so I'm assuming Pasha will be hoping he can 
bolster the squad and hopefully pick them back up to winning form. I agree with you, Griffith. You just think, you just thought he'd, he'd do well given his, his stats. I mean, he's got leadership throughout his youth sports and his um, QMJHL experience uh, with the Charlton Islanders, my apologies. Um, but if ever there's a coach um, that can get someone when I say demonstrated it recently in the UK, who, who can get the best out of whatever there is, it's Omar Pasha. And he, moves, he kind of allows them to move on to the next level, if that makes sense. Because um, on the whole of it, and how he started Glasgow, it looks like it's just a body to fill in to Dundee. But you look at his resume, you look at, you know, okay, they're not the top leagues in the world, but even at the leagues he's played in, you don't get letters on the shirt if you're not, there's nothing about you. So there's obviously something that he, his game's about, and he's just not like that. And when we've seen all three of us, and Andy would, if he was on, we've all seen players go to clubs, you thinking, he's going to do something, he's going to be really good, and it just doesn't work. Now, from a Sheffield perspective, Corey Pecker, just as an example, Man- I'm sure there's examples at Manchester where you're thinking this is going to be a good player, it just doesn't work out. They, they just, it just happens. Um, but this could be a very similar thing. He goes from Glasgow to Sunday and his game just may blossom from that. Um, from a good perspective, yeah, I hope that will be the case, but just, it looks like, it's, it's bizarre, it looks like it's, it's a body to help the bench. But then you look at the sums of the parts, it could be more than just that, so... Let's wait and see. Let's see if, if uh, Omar can uh, work his magic again. Yeah, absolutely, gents. You know, like you say, 15 games, one point for Glasgow this year. You can absolutely see why Malcolm wanted to get rid of him. You can absolutely see why why he felt like he could get a better player on that roster. And that isn't a slight at all on uh, on, on Quinn O'Brien. But obviously, like you say, there's multiple reasons why it may not work. There may be something that doesn't fit within the organisation. He may not react as well to the coaching. He may not have found the right chemistry on his line. We don't know. Um, off he goes to Dundee. And like you say, Pasha, good coach for getting the best out of players. So every chance. Um, the amount of times, like you say, that he's had some kind of captaincy. He was, a, he was an assistant or an alternate captain uh, for the Marine Noranda Huskies in the QMJHL. Uh, he wore a C for Charlottetown Islanders um, in the QMJHL. And then three seasons as this alternate captain for the University of Ottawa followed by um, the captaincy in his last year for them. So, like you say, if he's a guy that can give this team some leadership, even for even with his age, I mean, he's not, he's not old by any means, he's 27 years old, but if he's a guy that can give some leadership just on his previous experience, come into that, that, that Dundee roster, and again, they're another team that need a bit of stability, they're another team that might just need that extra element that's going to take him to the next level. Um, you know, Dave, you, you said that there, we've seen players across the seasons and, and like you say, St-Pierre, Pekka, just to name a couple. Um, you know, we, we had the uh, the Twins that played for the Steelers a few years ago. I can't remember the names now. Um, that's going to really annoy me. But anyway, we, we had them playing for Sheffield and obviously that, that didn't go too well for them. They went to the ECHL and lit it up. The prime example, guys, of a player that didn't necessarily work in the in the elite league and then went to another elite league team and did well, he's playing in the elite league now. He's playing for Sheffield. Tommaso Traversa, 
you know, was let go after, what, five games for Dundee? I, I, I'd be having him down as one of my top players to sign next season for the Steelers. So, for all we know, this is another another signing where it didn't work in Glasgow, it will work in Dundee, and maybe this time next year we'll be talking about how, you know, he signed an extra season for them and he's one of the main players for them. We don't know. You know, we're just going to have to see how this one plays out. There's every chance that he might do nothing in Dundee. There's every chance, there's every chance that it carries over from his time in Glasgow. But, to me, there's just as much chance that he can pick his game up, he can react well to a good line matching, he can react well to some different coaching. Maybe he likes it in Dundee. Not saying any slight against Glasgow, but for some, you know, some players, just certain organisations don't work. Um, so, you know, we'll see how this one plays out. We'll see if it plays well for Dundee. Uh, another team that, you know, we've had some, some shaky results this year. Uh, they pulled off some close results against teams like Steelers. So maybe this is the guy that takes him over that line. Maybe this is the guy that takes him to the wins against the Steelers next time round. You know, maybe he's the guy that gets him that extra goal to tie up the game and take him to overtime. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Anything else on Quinn O'Brien? No, on Quinn O'Brien, but just to let you know, it was the Rupert Brothers. Rupert Brothers, thank you. Was one of them called Ryan? Ryan and Matt. Ryan and Matt, that was it. I knew one of them was called Ryan, but then my head kept going to Ryan Galliardi, and I was like, no, definitely wasn't him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, anything else on, on, uh, on O'Brien? No, so, again, elite prospect at the Ready Jets, uh, but the last signing that we've got of this week is Kyle Thacker. He joins five flyers from the Evansville Thunderbolts. What do we make of this one? I think, as, as Fife has said many times, they are desperate for bodies. Um, and funny when they announce this signing, a lot of the fans are like, oh, we need this, we need that. And you know what? Jeff Hutchins, best use social media. We responded by saying, we know we need the XYZ player. We know we need them in this position. Thank you for letting us know. Um, so this this player, the defender, um, and he's, you know, he's played in the East Coast, um, and he's played in the SPHL, which is a league that many fans don't rec- not recognise. They don't see as one of the, the main leagues, but players got good experience um, across there. And you look at his stats, you know. For Thunderbolts, 39 games in 93 season, minus three. Um, in the East Coast, he had 40 games for Cincinnati, uh, plus five. Do you know what them, them type stats think? You know what? Could be a good signing that could just turn around the fortunes and give five that with a defensive steal that they're probably lacking, even though they've just got a four-point weekend. We'll just say it again because it's rare that we say it about five. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's a type of sign that actually really could um, really make a difference for five. I'm just trying to think of a few signings of years gone by that's kind of out of the blue and have made such a difference. Um, I've probably not answered with it, but he's, he's that type of thing. You see it? it just turns the whole fortunes of his club around. And you look at his stats and you kind of go, do you know what? He could be that person. Um, well, I think, he, I, I think he'll do all right, guys. Yeah, looking at the... Well, looking at his stats-wise, for a D-man, his plus-minus is actually half-decent where he goes. I think this season he's played for three different East Coast clubs as well as played in the SPHL. So I think... It, 
he's probably gone to his agent. Let's try it over in Europe because I want it, I want some more stability. I don't want to be going from Cincinnati all the way over to Iowa or to anywhere else. The fact he's played for the Wheeling Nailers in 2017-18 is brilliant. That's still a great name. As well as the NCAA team he played for, NCAA 3, which has to have an award for a long, one of the longest names. State University of New York at Potsdam Bears. That's a great name. Navigation, sunny Potsdam. <laughs> Same. <laughs> if anything, it's going to be a body for them. But it could be, like we mentioned, a, a diamond in the rough. It could actually be a key player for the, a key player to help Shane Owen out, or Greg Owen, as he was once called. Yeah, it's uh, it's not the first Flyers team that he's played for. He played for the Orangeville Flyers in the OJHL back in 2012 to 2014. Um, like you say, Griff loaned out to three different ECHL teams this year. He played for Iowa Heartlanders, Cincinnati Cyclones, and Adirondack Thunder. Um, obviously signed to Evansville Thunderbolts in the SPHL. His stats aren't, aren't that bad. I mean, like we say, he's a D-man. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's always difficult to read the stats of a defensive D-man. You look at his plus-minus... Um, and in fairness, his plus-minus stats don't look too bad. Uh, like we say, 31 games played in the ECHL, plus-minus of plus seven. Again, could be could be that kind of player that the five Flyers just needed on their back end. Um, I suspect he's not going to be a player that um, we're talking about at the end of the season as one of the steal-away players. And the reason I say that is actually just because he's described as a defensive D-man. Um, and often it's your defensive D-man who are your underrated players at the end of the day because you don't see him going up and scoring, you don't see him getting those assists. But actually what they do, you don't notice because they don't make the mistakes that actually cost goals. So actually, I suspect this might be one of the players that we're not talking about all that much, but that's because he's doing his job well. Uh, and if that's the case, it'll be a great signing for the Flyers. Um, interesting thing that I've just picked up, I've read the comments from Jeff Hutchins. Um, he said, Kyle would be a player who provides a solid defensive game. He's a puck-moving defenseman that takes pride in the defensive side of the game. Interesting cross of, uh, of descriptions there. A puck-moving but defensive defenseman, so that's quite interesting. Uh, he's excited to be here. It's a new league for him, and it will be his first time playing over in Europe. He flew in this morning, on Wednesday, so once he has a couple of days training with us, he'll be ready to go on Saturday night in Guildford. It's this bit that kind of, kind of struck my attention. On Sunday, I hope the fans come out and see our new signings in the lineup. After last weekend's four-point weekend, these are exciting times. We're moving forward, and it will be good to get the barn packed on Sunday. Interesting to see he uses the plural there. See our new signings on Sunday. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, if Fife actually do have another signing in the bag that comes out later on in the week. Uh, but, you know, we talked about it being nice to see Fife get a four-point weekend defensive defenseman to come in and help him out. You don't see a lot of defensive defensemen come into our league. You know, we've, t- we've talked about it earlier on this year and... and the likes of for the Steelers, the likes of Keaton Ellaby has been criticised quite a lot for not actually having that much input into the game, in, in, input into the wins. But actually, when you watch him, that's because he's on he's on the defensive side. He's not contributing to the offence, but he probably contributes to the defensive side. One of the most, you know, to me, one of the two most defensive players that we've got. And the only other player above him is Dane Todd. Um, so you know, if, if this guy comes in, and plays a defensive game, he holds them out on the blue line. 
it could be a great signing for Fife. So and it seems weird saying it because we've had three signings and all three I think we could probably describe as diamond in the rough signings. Um, all three of them we could definitely describe as wait and see signings, particularly with the lack of kind of a lot of major league leagues. But um, but no, I, you know I hope he does a good job in Fife. Like I say, suspect we won't be talking about him all that much towards the end of the year. But if, that, if that's the case, probably because he's done his job. Um, anything else to add on Kyle Thacker? No, so that closes the doors on the airport section for this week, gents. Um, I've got a little segue note here, which is that actually we don't have any dots to talk about this week. Interesting that we don't have any dots this week, given that A, you had Chris Lawrence getting thrown out of two separate games. Uh, one of the games was a 5 plus game for boarding, so it's quite interesting that we've not at least seen a fine on that play. I don't know whether that's the league's sort of way of saying they disagree with the uh, the decision from the referee on the ice, or whether it's the sort of way of saying they just uh, they, they think that the uh, the decision was, was spot on. Who knows? The one for me um, was in the Steelers Glasgow game, which I just couldn't get my head around. Um, I can't remember who the guy was, Dave. I'm looking at you just to see if you know who it was. I can't remember his name. Is it Sol? Sol, yeah, I think it's Sol, yeah. Yeah, um, end of the game, Sacha Danielson made a hit that Sol disagreed with. Sol jumped in on Danielson. They both went, you know, dropped the gloves. Both got a few good punches in. I actually thought that uh, Sacha Danielson got some good punches in to say that he'd been jumped. Uh, and then you see him take to a knee as he loses his footing on his left leg. Obviously, Sol takes advantage of that. And then as Danielson's down on the ice you then see him throwing in multiple punches to his face while he's down on the ice through the linesman uh, and the first time in a while that I've seen this happen in the Elite League but actually the referee comes and gets involved whilst the linesmen are trying to split them up in between the two players it's actually the referee who comes in and pulls him out so I'm quite surprised that there's not at least been a fine particularly given the fact that this happened in the last two minutes of the game we have seen at least a fine for the aggressor penalty being given in multiple games because of a fight in the last two minutes so the fact that he carried on fighting him while he was on the ice uh, and the fact that it was in the last two minutes, I'm baffled that we're not seeing at least a fine. To me, one, one to two match ban for that because you can't keep punching the guy when he's down on the ice. The etiquette would say you stop when he's down on the knee, let alone when he's on his back. Um, I don't know if you... Dave, I think you watched the game. Greg, I don't know if you've seen the video, but I'm, you know, I don't know what you think. I'm um, not sorry. <laughs> no, you, once you've got to that position... In fairness, no, when, when the, the linesmen or officials are involved, you slow down. Um, and Sol had, um, certainly Sol was your, he had no intention of slowing down. Um, I'll be bluntly honest with you, at that point, I'm on the Steelers team. Do you know what? I'll take the fine, I'm ragging him off. Because yeah. you're carrying on. <laughs> when you're in that altercation, as soon as the officials go in, that's when you stop. You slow down, you get to the point, he hasn't. And do you know what? If the, and I'm not saying this in a criticism of the officials, but if the officials can't stop him, take it in your own hands. And Sheffield should have. Should have. And you know, screw the consequences. And I say it on this basis. Because yes, we could go, but we could lose him. It could be suspended. We could be always malarkey. Thank you for getting involved. But send it the message of, if you're not okay here, you go over the line, Whatever code you want to talk about when it comes to all, these tab allocations, we're not allowing you to do that. You get it once. Try it again, or even come close. You know what's going to happen. Send us a message that we look after our own. And I, I felt <sighs> maybe it's a way of the world of, of ice hockey now, but it just felt like we kind of just 
bladder to carry on. I felt that, and I think we actually talked about it um, afterwards, but, you know, someone should have at least, um, even if just to grab him off and just to, you know, for one better way, just toss him to the other end of rice. You know what, go on. Closer to, close to you, bench or whatever. Go away. Yeah, pretty much. Dustin Bufflin when he just picks him up like a shopping bag and wants to play. But that would be yeah, but how many players are you going to get across the elite that's going to be able to lift four players? Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Yeah, probably not. So that was the only thing, and I, I, was, I was surprised that Dots didn't play well. Maybe they, I don't know, maybe they've used all the calls. Maybe that he had, um, I don't know, let's go a bit weird. So maybe had like a packet that he could only use like so many top calls a season. And because they've yeah. used it already so far, we see that's it. It's uh, the Wild West. I don't know. Um, I expected to see something because, as I said, if it's just got in and it carried on too long for them to go, no, you've, you've, you've transgressed too far. No. You, you need to you have some form of punishment. But, you know, I think we play Glasgow next Wednesday. Yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, Saxon Daniel Sunday. Sunday, yeah, of course. Of course, because we're there. Uh, maybe Saxon Daniel could um, deliver his own justice. Who knows? Well, that's it. I mean, what I'd not actually clocked is on the game sheet's actually gone down as a penalty at 60 minutes. So I'm actually even now more surprised that there wasn't a fine or a ban because a fight at the end of the game is usually punished by at least a fine. Uh, you got, you know, it was Cody Sol. He got for two plus five plus game fighting as the aggressor. Uh, Sancho Danielson got five for fighting. The bit that really wound me up about this the most, and I understand if someone makes a bad hit, I have no issues with the initial reaction from Cody Sol. I didn't see the hit. And I'll say that outright, I didn't see the hit. I know that there were a few cheeky little plays that were played by the Steelers. I think there was one by Pollock in the, um, I don't know if it's the second or the start of the third period, where uh, he lost his stick. Uh, I think it was slashed out of his hand. He was obviously frustrated, and I think he did the same thing that he did to Adam Morrison on the Saturday, which was skate behind him and kind of clip him with his foot. So there were a few cheeky bits and a few a few off plays, um, and you know, I'm not condoning those, I'm not saying that those are right. The thing that annoys me about this is if he disagreed with the hit, there's only two or three players on the Steelers roster that I would say would be willing to fight if someone came up to him and said, come on, we're going. And one of those players is Satchel Danielson. So to me, Sol's a big guy. Sol's a big guy. He's not, he's not five foot ten. He's not a guy that was just on the ice and had to make it like put out a message. He's a big guy. So to me, he should have skated up to ASD, but I don't agree with that hit. We're going now. You know, if he, the fact that he jumps him, and I understand that it's a fight sticking up for his teammate, the fact that he jumps him is just cowardly to me. And also, particularly when it's a player that you know if he just actually turned around and said, come on, we're going for that, he'd have gone, all right, let's go. I just don't understand the need to jump him like he did. And then the, just the response. I mean, it wasn't... I, I said I didn't see the hit, but I can't imagine by any means, particularly by the lack of ban, I can't by any means imagine that the hit was so bad that he was so wound up that he felt the need to carry on punching him while he was on his back on the ice. You don't remind me well. Uh, the Haas fight with Springer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. As in, <laughs> like I say, if, if the hit was bad, that warranted action on the buzzer, that's what was done. And they've shown it throughout the season. So, yeah, it just reminds me of, I've got to do something. We've lost again. We can't play 40 minutes. It's now 60 minutes. Got to show something. I don't know. Like you say, Saul's a big guy. A big guy. Saul's Saxon Danielson. That's the question. And, and he's been a willing participant this year. 
So, yeah. But it's, it's, it's slightly not right, but let's just hope Sunday books are balanced. Yeah. Well, I mean, mate, you said maybe it's the way of the um, the current climate, maybe it's the way of the, 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 the modern day sport in that players aren't standing up for players. And, and we saw the exact same thing on the Saturday. There was a dirty hit on um, on Davy Phillips. And the other four guys in the ice just looked at it. Not sick. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's because of the incident rule. But if it is, it's... And it's kind of that fear of, if I do something, I'm going to become... I'm actually going to get penalised worse off because of... And we've said it many times before, it's godforsaken instigator rule where you get more of a penalty and not from the hit. So I don't, I don't know if that's because... That's the reason why, but... Let's yeah. not go down that rabbit hole of talking about that penalty. There's no Stafford, so I'll say other holes are available. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, that, no, that's it. It's, um, you know, it is, uh, it is what it is. I, I mean, I'm, I'll bring this point slightly back up later on on something else that we've got on the agenda, because I have a similar issue on something that we're going to talk about later, but I'll, I'll leave that for later. Um, anything else to add on this? If it's only supposed to be a segue, I think it's taken longer than I anticipated it taking. <laughs> Um, I've seen shakes ahead, so we'll uh, we'll go straight on to the next thing. Um, we actually nearly missed this off the agenda, uh, and if you're a Panthers fan, no, we haven't missed this out of the airport section because we don't want to talk about the Panthers. Uh, we've missed it out because it's not a player, but there has now been a uh, completely unexpected um, coaching change in Nottingham as they announced Dave Whistle for the rest of the season, I believe, to uh, take over the coaching staff as head coach. So, um, Anybody didn't think when the Leeds Knights, um, where he was coaching in the NIHL, announced he left, if no one thought that he was going to, he wasn't going to Nottingham, had a concern. It's so late, I think we was at, I think we was at a Seahawks game, Joe, right, when the news broke or sort of, yeah. we was at, we were at somewhere, and I, I kind of, it was me, too, me and a couple of my friends, and we all kind of said the same thing. And I think even Jeff, you basically say, oh, you know, not in the bound. It was so blatant that he was off to there. Um, I'd see a coach of your team go down to Nottingham, but he's, he's the third coach uh, to have uh, coached the, uh, the biggest rivals in the uh, universe um, after Dampier and uh, Blaisdell. Um, I was surprised to see. Uh, Dave Whistle back in the country um, after so long out when he coached Bratnell, Belfast and ourselves in Sheffield. So, can he make a difference? Looking at the results this weekend, I don't think he was the coach. But now he has, um, he may have a chance to make a couple of changes for the, uh, the transfer deadline because I don't think that's that far away. Yeah. Um, I thought he'd already gone. Kyle Thacker doing out after, so obviously there may be some time to make a couple of deals, but they Nagan clearly need something. Um, and any Nagan fan I know, they always say it's forwards. It's someone who quite Um So who knows? But yeah, I was I was surprised to see this announcement. I believe the deadline was for NAHL, I think. That was end of January. Okay. Uh, I mean, this was the what biggest kept secret ever. Ups. 
it's who's doing a great job in in Leeds. Feels weird saying that. But you as soon as he did, as soon as he left, they posted that yeah, he's left the role. Everyone knew he was going there. So yeah, you're definitely going there. Especially I think it was like what? A couple of days after Nottingham had dismissed Wallace. Some I say it's not even a week. That was you're like, yeah, you're definitely going there. Hey, but he's play is coached you guys, coached Cardiff. It's gonna be a fun, to be fun for you guys, well for both teams. So when you play Nottingham, hey, hopefully you just get some sort of recognition. If he's if you, if you, your fan base is all over after the game, that is. Because obviously during it, you want you're just thinking you're just another another person that's on the opposite team. Don't care about you. Looking at his coaching resume as well, as going from Belfast Giants all the way over to DEL. That's one hell of a jump. Yeah, credits, all credit to him. He was a heck of a coach in the, in the day. So he won the Super League, nearly. I said the wrong league then. Uh, with Bracknell and, and Belfast. Um, and like I said, he went to the DL. He, he was one hell of a coach. GB um, coach, assistant coach as well, wasn't he, at one point? I think that's so. Not sure. I'd have to look at that up. Um, but, yeah. Um, I think you see, because with all respect to Leeds, um, it's a different type of coaching, a different type of hockey play that they're now to the Elite League. So, um, yeah, interesting, though. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> certainly not a strange one. Uh, we knew this was going to happen. Um, it's a shame, actually, because in fairness, the way that Leeds were building their team, they were building their outfit, they looked like the kind of team that were building to be the next team to join the Elite League. And actually, when Whistle came in, I think we all kind of said, this is this looks like a move to get something to build this team towards moving up to the Elite League. Uh, they've obviously put some good results in the NIHL. They had a good team built there. Uh, Dave Whistle, obviously, with his, with his experience, that looked to be uh, the situation, but obviously it's not happened. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it'll bring to Nottingham in comparison. I, I feel like, you know, if you look at the league, Dave, you, you and I were talking about this only the other day, about the amount of players that, or the amount of people that have played in the Elite League and then become coaches. And, and we've seen some of the best coaches in the, the Elite League that have been players previously. Um, do you know you look at we, we talked about the likes of Andrew Lord Adam Keefe um, Paul Dixon Ryan Finity we've looked at all the kind of coaches in the league that have, that have played and in fairness I honestly thought Mark Matheson was going to be the next one and, and it's not necessarily saying he won't be uh, but I was quite interested to see what he could do my point on this is and um, we said this straight away when, when, when Wallace went the issue to me wasn't Wallace the issue to me was the recruitment and that's Guy Doucette and to me, they spent too much time focusing on getting a player who did well for them in the Elite Series um, in Kevin Deming 
who obviously then got some long-term injuries, spent quite a lot of time out. And I don't really think they built any more depth into the roster. And I was talking to um, one of our friends, I was talking to Mike about this, uh, who's a Panthers fan. We, we had him on the podcast previously um, on playoffs last time round. And I was talking to, to him about this the other week and saying, saying he was saying the same things. They were lacking the depth in scoring. It looks like we've focused on a couple of players that haven't paid off. And then everything else has just been left by the wayside. So I'm intrigued as to what Whistle's going to do. I think we've got to bear in mind that actually the recruitment will still fall down to Guy Doucet on a, on a large portion of it. Um, as far as I'm aware, the way that the outfit works is that Guy Doucet does the recruitment and Dave Whistle will now do the coaching. I suspect that with his previous experience, Dave Whistle will be wanting to have a hand in the, in the recruitment. So maybe that is where we see some changes made. Um, but we'll see how it pans out for Nottingham. They're already at the title race. I don't think it's I don't think it's OTT to say that. I don't think you know they could pull some good results off. Can I honestly see him catching us and us and Belfast? No. I mean, primarily, I, can, I certainly can't see him catching Belfast with the results that they're putting in at the moment. Um, but you know, this time next week we might be talking about the first weekend that Dave Whistle coached the Panthers and came out with a four-point weekend. Who knows? Um, that is the, the, the sport that we love and we know how volatile it can be we know how much it can change on a, you know, on a dime and I think that is exactly what we could see um, so you know, the, the press release about it short and sweet in terms of uh, Guido said comments Dave brings a wealth of experience to the room and bench with him and we've not had that since Rick Strachan retired he's seen it all and won multiple championships here in the UK he's going to help mark out a lot and will also give Stevie the chance to focus more on his rehab so it looks like obviously Matheson's going to be their assistant coach by the looks, or they're going to do it together. I don't know. It, it um, doesn't actually say on their press release as to whether or not he's going to be the head coach. It just says he's going to join their coaching staff. So it's a bit of an interesting one. I also like the way that they say we've not had that since Rick, Rick Strachan retired, like Rick Strachan retired 10 years ago. His retirement was announced in January 2020. So <laughs> it's not exactly uh, years and years ago. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, to see how this pans out for the Panthers. Uh, like I say, I think this is what uncovers the fact that actually their problems lie more with the recruitment and Guy Doucette more than they do with the coaching. But, like I say, we'll see how it pans out. Anything else on Dave Whistle, gents? I've seen shaking heads, so we'll move on to the next thing. Gents, we spent a hell of a lot of time talking about brick development. And one of the key things that we talk about in terms of our concerns surrounding the netline because obviously the uh, the prowess of bounds and whistle in terms of the netminding we don't often see a lot of other British netminders getting the time Coventry Blazer were put in a position where they needed to rely more on Headley over the last week and it's paid dividends for uh, I think you got man of the match both games did he win both games as well this weekend I think um, so he came out with a four point weekend man of the match both games um what, what do we make of Headley? Very weak end for him. Wins one in regulation in Manchester. Wins a shootout in commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's, just, it's just a good story for him. Um, his, um, his credentials for a, a GB call-up, um, does it all, all the world really does give him that, that jump. You know, obviously Dennis Stewart was put in a position with, with COVID with uh, CJ Mott. Um, so you have to rely on him. But do you know what? It just shows that you can rely on these goalies. I mean, obviously he played against Belfast and they lost 7-1. But all the Belfast fans who'd watched it said, do you know what? Yes, it was 7-1. But the goal was gone. The goalie played very well. It was 
everything else that contributed towards the goals in, in respect to you know, the defence weren't supporting and, and stuff like that. Good, good weekend for him and a third good result, a good game, not result. Um, but it's a world of favours when it comes to uh, people still putting that team together for Finland. Yeah, I think when we were talking about goalies as, as such, as what we take in the 30, 32 man squad, and the reason why we didn't say Headley was because he's not played as much. I think this weekend's proved, yeah, once he once you play him, he's going to do well for you. Granted, he's from the Manchester side. It's like great, you have to choose this weekend to have a good a good turnout. But fair play to him. He's been sat on the bench for most of the season, and he's got called upon, and he's gone. Right, this is my time to shine. Picks up two wins. Two out of three wins. Gets two men in the matches. Puts up a, a decent performance against one of the teams that's going to be in for the title. It's like, what more can you can you say as as I say? Yeah, can you? I know you've got like a, an AHL caliber goalie here, but can I have some more ice time, please? He puts forward a good good position there. Say. This is why, please. <laughs> Very much. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to see, gents. It's great to see. Two games over the weekend, three goals conceded. Uh, and that tells you all you really need to know. Two and one of the matches. Um, ben Bounds tweeted about this and said, uh, retweeted the Blaze man of the match announcement on the Sunday and said, wait a minute, this can't be right. Keep him in there while he's hot, God, Blaze. Even when your import is back, he should stay in if he's playing this well. Create that competition. I agree with him. I think we're living in a dream world if we ever think that Headley's going to get played over CJ Mott once CJ Mott's back and healthy. Um, we've talked before, I think Dave, you and I, I can't regret what you said about it. We've said before that we think that CJ Mott and Shane Owen are the two best goalies in the league. Are they really going to put Headley in once CJ Mott's back, back fully fit? I think, we're, I think that's a bit of a pipe dream. Um, but it's a great step forward for Headley. It's a great step forward for the league. It's a great step forward for the sport. We talk all the time about how difficult it is for Britain and Manners to get a time. And Jordan Headley has just really set the headlines with that one. Um, not necessarily the highest shots, uh, shots faced. Uh, he faced 27, well, he made 27 saves on the, uh, in the game at the Sky Dome. Uh, and he made sort of 22 saves in the game against Manchester. So 49 saves across the weekend, three goals conceded, uh, and two men of the matches. So great weekend for him. Great weekend for British hockey in terms of uh, the steps forward that that puts for British goaltenders. Anything else on uh, on Jordan Headley? No. So, so the next thing that I've got on the agenda, I'm going to throw over to you, gents, primarily because I openly said I haven't seen any of this so far. Um, but the Winter Olympics have been ongoing. Um, primarily, we've seen you know more games for the women's than the men's so far. But we've had a few men's games now. Um, what have we made of it so far? So to give some. Um updated for anybody who hasn't seen the Olympics in Beijing. The, the women's group stage has been completed. Um, 
you had a shock result with China women's beating uh, Japan. Japan women's um, pretty much the, sh- the shock of the tournament so far, uh, topping their group. Um, but they've so they've got there tomorrow, as in Friday, they start the quarterfinals. Um, and we'll go on to show you just a quick recap. So it was two groups of five. Um, and how it's worked is. The top three, um, it looks like the top three of both groups go straight through, and then it's the best four. And leaving that at the make any sense because uh, China had five points and they got made it through to the next round. Uh, but Canada, USA, shock horror, they're through. Um, the Czech Republic and Sweden are through. Uh, but Japan, top group B, uh, and the ROC and Switzerland made it through from the women. So the quarterfinals. Uh, starting tomorrow, so on Friday, is Canada, Sweden, ROC, Switzerland, the USA, Czech Republic, and Finland, Japan. Uh, so that's the women's side of things, and there's been some good games. I mean, I watched the, the penalty shootout of the, the Japan, Czech Republic, and there was some really good skill. I don't know if you saw Gref, um, but some really good skill in that shootout. Um, but before we go on to the men's side of it, can we just say uh, Pad's kit of the tournament goes without question to the chat. If you haven't seen it, Google it. The pads and the helmet, they are probably the best design of the tournament so far. Um, Let me just so- interject there for a second, mate, just because you cut out slightly, just as you said, which pads, and I know exactly who you're talking about, presumably you talk about the Chinese goalie for the... I am talking about the Chinese women's goalie. Um, the men's goalie is disappointed. I don't understand why he hasn't gone for the same ones. I, I'm just, it's just disgusting. Um, I'm not going to lie. Um, but, so the Chinese women have been in the Olympics before. Uh, the Chinese men haven't until today. Their very first game. Um, or those who watch the KHL, couldn't have read stuff. Um, so we've had the first set of games in all three groups. Um, some close games um, in Group B and C for men. Uh, Finland, Slovakia, 6-2. Though, um, Sweden, Latvia, 3-2 win for Sweden. The Czech Republic, Denmark. Denmark, their first ever uh, game in the Winter Olympics. They win. Uh, Franz Nielsen, uh, of Bar Berlin and XHL Islanders and Detroit with a nice penalty shot to win that game and the ROC uh, just beating Switzerland uh, Switzerland hitting the post within like a, like a minute or so left of the game um, and then you had the group with the USA, Canada, China and Germany Canada did the job uh, against Germany 5-1 um, and then USA beat uh, China 8-0 um, which I think we all expected. Anybody who knows or looked at the groups and gone, yeah, there's going to be some goals in that. Um, I expected double figures. I did as well, and I suspect they will do with Canada. The way Canada played against Germany, I know, Griff, you watched it a bit because we were trying in between the game. Don't get me wrong, Canada just a different level. Yeah, that could get pretty. Yeah. How could we get pretty nasty for China? I'd probably say a, a third, fourth playoff game on the Sunday, a playoffs style. That's how big the goals will be. 
to be fair, for team, well, team, mostly team China now, not team Cullen Red Star. It, going after the first period, it's only 1-0, and you're thinking, okay, this is kind of respectable now for you guys. And then three goals went in in the second period to make it 4-0, and then another four goals went in in the third period. And it's like, okay, especially when, say, 15 of the 25 players are NCAA. It's like, okay, this is showing you guys, yep, the college guys can actually just go around you like cones, traffic cones. It was, from what I saw of it, it looked like a quite decent game because, as you mentioned, Jay, I started to watch it and then I turned on Team Canada game because, obviously, Owen Power was playing for Team Canada, draft pick for Buffalo. I was expecting uh, Levi to be playing, but they put uh, Eddie Pasquale in there. Fair enough. And then, obviously... One of the Euro players, Dave, Josh Holsang, he played. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll watch some ex-NHLers, future NHLers. We made some Matt Tavish as well. And, yeah, against Germany, normally a pretty decent team. They were just like, yeah, bam, bam, bam. The only goal that Germany scored, and it had me screaming at my laptop, saying, why are you shooting the puck down the middle of the ice in your defensive zone? Rookie error. Proper rookie error. But, they move on. But, the one disappointing thing of the day, the goal song for Slovakia. Absolutely. Maybe for the best. Yep. Maybe. Anybody who doesn't understand that, YouTube, Slovakia, World Champs 2019, go on music. And just go from there. When you hear it so many times, it is a bit repetitive, shall we say. Wonderful. And Joel's is shaking his head <laughs> to say, it is not wonderful. But he went, well, it's not wonderful, and I didn't have to listen to it so many times. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's someone that will, will smack every time he says the word Savensko to the point of it it's a bit it's PTSD brilliant yeah it's like the Olympics aside it's, it's obviously it's the amount of memories and highlights it triggers you know obviously 42 years ago you had the Miracle on Ice um, you had uh, the Salt Lake game with Canada winning the gold for the first time in Youngs you had the, the return game of the Miracle in Sochi and uh, T.G. Oshie again 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 on the shootout you know uh, we miss the NHL players in the Olympic Games but I don't know about you two guys but it's always the highlight of either summer or winter Olympics and yes we're obviously because we're hockey fans but it just brings Performances, the best of the performances. It just can't, it gets more out of it. It's not just like a world chance. It's it's that chance to be as immortal as the, the USA team of 1980 and other teams who won gold. But like like Sweden in 2006 with Lundqvist's first pro season in the NHL. 
that, that, them stories live for, you know, and you talk about it for, for years to come. So I'm looking forward to this tournament and uh, we'll see if, if, if uh, Canada can uh, overdo the uh, the ROC. Because obviously it's not Team Russia. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to start that off because I, I'm be vocal about my opinion before about the fact that Russia get banned so just come under a different name um, but we're going to be quite careful talking about Russia because um, if we get to St Petersburg next year then I think if we can we'd like to go so um, the one thing that I'll talk about in terms of headlines on this um, on this because I say I haven't seen any of the games one thing that, that struck me and we'll go back to the women's side of things a 6-1 win for Canada against the Russian Olympic Committee um, and obviously it is the game out of the Olympics for the ice hockey that has stolen the headlines so far uh, and the reason being the Russian team as far as I'm aware refused to produce their their um, COVID results before the game the Canadian team initially refused to play because they hadn't produced definitive COVID results uh, so they didn't come out for warm-ups as the Russian Olympic Committee team were warming up uh, eventually it, 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 it boiled down to basically Canada turned down and said we're not going to play unless they produce their COVID tests after discussions between the team Canada actually bowed down to, to the agreement that they would play but only if the Russian Olympic Committee team wore face masks uh, the Russian Olympic Committee terms on that was that Canada had to wear face masks too. So I think maybe for the first time, I don't know whether it's been seen before, maybe for the first time we saw a hockey game being played with players wearing masks on a well, on a high platform like this. Um, obviously didn't hinder Team Canada too much, like I say, 6-1 win against Russia. Um, but... Uh, I, th- I think I've just read an article about it in fairness and I mean the main word that's been used I think summarises it perfectly uh, absolutely farcical uh, to say the least uh, a shambles as we would say gents but um, yeah I think we're used in the UK <laughs> I believe Finland women also wore masks when they played Russia and the Korea yeah, as well yeah. and they won 5-0 <laughs> but it's quite surprising given you read of the, the strict Covid protocols for athletes at the Beijing Games where you literally hotel, bus, venue, change, bus, hotel. And that's it. There's no mingling. There's nothing else with food. You've got specific time slots. How would this happen? Um, shambles in the word. Um, as it turned out, there was, I think it was eight players uh, from the, R- the ROC who had positive uh, test results. It begs to, to, to differ what they were thinking. And it kind of allows, given that they're called the ROC and there's an element of mistrust of them, you have this, you then have, have a different sport, um, a delay of the medal ceremony due to a legal issue with uh, one of the alleged ROC players failing the drugs test. It kind of just... Makes no sense as you have the stringent COVID protocols and then you allow this to happen. Don't make sense. This is the bit that baffles me. I, you know, I, 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 kudos to Canada for to standing up and uh, and saying, "Oh, we're not playing this game if they're not going to produce their results." I mean, I, it, it's kind of vaguely disappointing that they they bowed down to the fact that that, that ROC turned around and said, "Below the claim, matters if you do." 
as a team that actually followed the, the you know the guidelines and produced their uh, their COVID results. But then again, I guess no team in the Olympics wants to you know forgo a game. If you get to an Olympic platform, you want to play in the Olympics, particularly with it only being every four years, and particularly with how bizarre the last couple of years have been. So I get that to an extent, but it's just baffling to me that they let it happen. I mean, it's baffling to me that the, the Russian Olympic Committee are taking part in the Olympic Games as the Russian Olympic Committee. It just completely, to me, it completely undermines the whole point of banning the team for not following the rules. You know, what happens if all of a sudden it turns out that the, I don't know, the USA team this year have all been doping? What happens then? So they all of a sudden play as the American Olympic Committee. What 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 is the point in that? You know, we see players banned. Last week we talked about a DOPS ban for um, Mark Lewin. So what's he going to come back as? So he plays two games for Cardiff Devils as Lark Mui. What, what, how does that, you know, what, it just undermines the whole point of it. And again, to me, this just undermines the whole point of it. And the Olympics in particular is all supposed to be about integrity. It's all supposed to be about, you know, the best of sport. And I just think this is just, it's not only undermined the ban, it's not only undermined the whole procedure. I just think it, it undermines the tournament as a whole because that's the whole point of it. I think you would probably call themselves the Federal States of America. Um, yes. They're out that way. But I'm, I'm looking at Griff for this one, only because we're, we're older than, than Joe. <laughs> and I'll tell you this when we, were, when we went alive. But did it, when there was kind of the Cold War in the early 80s, weren't the, the, the athletes from the nations who boycotted, were they just under the Olympic banner? I want to say that the athletes, both, I think the 80s Olympics and 84 Olympics in Moscow and Los Angeles, they, they just... They went under the banner of the, um, the Olympic. Like, um, just vaguely remember in the London 2012 Olympics there was uh, refugees based somewhere, but they were athletes. They didn't want to represent that country, but they were under the Olympic banner. So it was very neutral. I don't understand why the athletes from Russia just don't have that say. In essence, the, the ROC is just Russia light. It's Russia light. Yeah. You know, he's like, oh, Coke Zero, Russia Zero. Uh, you know, whatever you want to slam it, but... It'd be like Evgeny Kuznetsov being allowed to play, but they just put his name in Cyrillic so that he's not actually Evgeny Kuznetsov. Because Dave. Dave Kuznetsov. Because he's not here, it's Andy. <laughs> but yeah, that... that just... It, Given the efforts to put these events on, and obviously with the summer and the efforts that were put in to get the games on, and we've talked about it to a lesser degree with the Elite League finishing the season, to have things like this, it's like, nah, it just doesn't sit right. And it's, it's garbage, it ruins. So for me, the Olympics is probably the pinnacle. It peaks the World Championships. To me, the Olympic gold is worth more than a World Championship gold. To have this event diminished with this farce, and I'd say if it were men's, not just the women's, it's, it's, the, it's the methodology about it. Because you, you see some of the good, some, some good games in the women's tournament. Like I say, Japan stormed it, and then lose to, to China um, in a shootout. But that was a great game. You know, all the games have actually been pretty decent. So it's, yeah. Sense, no, you, you and me both, mate. You and me both. Um, 
The one thing I will say, because uh, you just said obviously about the, the refugee side of things, there was actually a team in Tokyo Olympics this year. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, the only reason I remember it is because Jay Jones, who was fighting for GB in Taekwondo, who was a gold medalist, is was knocked out by um, I don't know her name. She was knocked out by a fighter from like the refugees team I'm just trying to flick through now to see if I can actually see what they referred to it I, I just remember I think, obviously I said London obviously, well, obviously you've said it was Tokyo but I remember there was a, uh, a bunch of athletes that couldn't or didn't want to for the obvious reasons go under their own country but go under the Olympic flag yeah so not a, a regional Olympic committee but the Olympic flag the five rings that one the purest neutral flag you'll get in sport so I'm sorry for me Russia. Uh, again, I think that's a a different subject for another day. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's funny how the ban of using Russia is up in 2023, just in time for the World Championships that Russia host. Oh. Russia. Sorry, I, I'll, I'll put I'll, I'll, I'll put my cynical hat away. Because uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's the refugee Olympic team was the way that they uh, that they phrased it for that. I, I just remember seeing ROT on the back of it, the like a their uniform, and thinking, "Who the hell is that?" And I googled it because I, I didn't realise they were doing that. But um, yeah, I know I agree. I agree. If they, if they want to play, it, it should be under the Olympic banner. It shouldn't. They shouldn't be allowed to to, to partake as uh, as Russia. But like you say, different conversation for a different day. Um, farcical farcical things to be talking about in the Olympics when we're talking about teams refusing to pr- produce COVID results. Again, probably a different conversation for a different day. So we'll, we'll draw a line under that, gents. Uh, anything else to add on, on the Olympics as a whole? No? No problem. So we'll move on from that. We're, we're going we're gonna to stay away from domestic league for the time being uh, and we'll recap and we'll, we'll loop back around to the domestic league for the last thing that we've got on the agenda. Um, I want to talk about this because it involved the Penguins and it really wound me up. Uh, but also because I hate the player that it involved and I have no issues with saying that. I think I tweeted that out the other day. Uh, Brad Marchand, a player who often makes NHL um, headlines, granted sometimes because of his point production and his, his skill, um, but also because of his affinity towards taking stupid penalties and getting stupid bans. Um, Marchand was suspended six games for roughing and high-sticking in the Bruins game against the Penguins the other day. What did we make of this, gents? For me, I, I think it could have been a lot more on the fact of he's literally just gone over to uh, Jarry and just throwing a punch at him, right at his head. And then obviously he got pulled back. He's still mouthing off to some of your players. And then as he's getting taken away, he's like jabbed Jerry in the head with his stick. And it's like, you're really not right in the head sometimes, are you? He's literally... I'm, when he's not being an idiot, he's actually a half-decent player, which pains me to say being a Bruins player, and it's Brad Marchand. But it's it's just horrid to see when a player that's got that much talent is just getting into stupid altercations <laughs> like this. So come on now. The fact that he's also what, a, re- a repeat offender as well, especially with this season, because he's already done three-game suspension. 
I would have thought, all right, add some more into that. Like, we'd say in, in the Elite League, it's tough for, like, repeat offender, so that should add another game on. Surely that should add in more when it's in the NHL itself. It's a stupid play. If you isolate the incident from the person, I think six games is harsh. Given what happened, he's tapped the goal on the head, out of context, there's no rhyme or reason. Then he's carrying an argument. Six games is, is harsh for me. However, you then throw into the mix that he's thrown March on, and for all the stupid crap he's done over the years, to me, cashing in on, on, on the chips. You, you've got away with it so long, we've allowed, you've given some leeway, we've given you so a fair enough amount of rope to hang yourself, you've got it now. Now's the time to sit down, and this is a culmination, not just this season, because you mentioned it's a repeat offender, but I, for me, it gives the vibe of the repeat offender over the years, which, to me, as much as he should have had this young to go, given some of the garbage he's done, yeah, you know, it's, it's too much. I, I genuinely think, given some of the other bands and some of the games given for other things, six, it, do, it, it doesn't, it's not logical uh, for me. And like you said, Griff, you know, when he plays hockey, he's skillful. You know, as much as when we knocked him out of the playoffs last year, Marshall actually, uh, I think, I think actually he got, he got both games and he got and goals where you kind of go, okay, fair play. You know, you take your cats up. You can play the game, and you know, you can. We know you can play the game. You don't stay in that league as long as he has if you can't play the game. But the amount of stupid stuff he's done, time and time and time again, you can guarantee every season you will mention Marshawn, idiocy, five times minimum. And it's, it's just come on to roost. Um, but as, 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 as I say, if you isolate the incident and not the person, I just think six games is too much. No, I'm in agreement about six games. I think, uh, in, in fairness, I mean, I, I genuinely expect him to just get a fine. To me, he's the most protected player in the NHL. And if it's not him, it's, it's Sidney Crosby. And I'll quite happily say that. Um, I think the NHL makes too much of a habit of trying to protect elite players. We saw it with McDavid. McDavid skating over and elbowed a guy in the head and got a fine. Uh, Marshand has had a couple of incidents recently where all he's got is fine. Crosby did the same. I think he speared someone between the legs and all he got was a fine. And I think, and I'll say that as a Penguins fan, I'll throw Crosby in there to, to, to show that it's not just me being um, you know, biased towards certain teams. Those kind of players should be just as much up for the same penalties as anyone else. Um, so in that respect I'm quite happy to have seen the NHL suspend him I don't think the six games I mean in fairness for a start the six games is for high sticking and roughing so there's two isolated incidents from the same play which was the first he skated up to Jerry after the play and punched him at the back of the head as then he was skating off the USA he then swung his stick at his head as he skated off the ice uh, earlier on in the game he actually insisted on being a dick even earlier because uh, Crosby's stick broke on a face off uh, and he decided to then proceed to stop Crosby from getting to the bench 
uh, holding him and moving him away from the bench as much as he could before Crosby could get a new stick. Um, I, I think it was summarised perfectly by Complete Hockey News on Facebook. They actually started putting it out as a thread, uh, and the thread was titled as Brad, Brad Marchand's Warpath of Stupidity. And I just think that summarises it perfectly. Um, talk about a guy losing his head and then some. Uh, but then again, we're talking about stupidity in a player that had to actually be told multiple times to stop licking players. So, um, you know, it's not all that surprising that we're now talking about him being stupid. Um, I'm not saying this just because it's just because it's the Penguins. It was a bad incident and you don't touch the goalie. Anybody who's ever played the sport or any variation on the sport knows you don't touch the goalie. Uh, so the fact that he skated in between players and punched him at the back of the head was just completely ridiculous. Um, and you read the, the the response from Bruce Cassidy, who's the coach of the Bruins. Uh, he said, "I just think same as the, same as last night. Marsh just had uh, to, sorry, Marsh just has to have control of his emotions in that situation. Uh, live to fight another day, get ready for the next game. And unfortunately, he got the best of him. I wasn't on the ice, but still, you shouldn't go after the goaltender in that situation unless you were pushed into the crease or he sticked you first, which I did not see. Could have happened, but I don't think it did." Uh, later on he goes to say this one yes he lost his discipline no doubt it will sit down we've had our share of sit downs over the years I think Brad's been doing a good job for the most part with controlling his emotions he had a three game suspension earlier on in the season for slew footing by the way so he's not done a good job of controlling his emotions there's no reason for him to have reacted like this at all um, by all accounts it was a response to Jerry who apparently took a slight shot at Charlie Coyle with his stick because Charlie Coyle I don't know if he I, I don't know why he took a shot at Coyle apparently there was something that aggravated it there are many players on that Bruins roster that could have done something about that firstly you don't go after the goalie you, you just don't if anything you turn around you turn around you make a point of going after Sidney Crosby and when you go after Sidney Crosby you say that's because your guy took a shot at one of ours and I'm not I'm not going after your goalie um, so that's stupid in itself if we want to just summarise Marchand's stupidity, just for, just, just for a second, can you tell how much I like Brad Marchand? He's been fined five times. The six games is his longest suspension. Uh, it's also his eighth suspension in his career. He's now, I believe, the most suspended player in terms of um, frequency in the NHL. Um, he's also forfeited. Now, I say forfeited. This isn't fined. This is forfeited because obviously in the NHL, if you are if you're suspended, you forfeit the salary for the games that you're suspended. He's now forfeited more than 1.4 million dollars in salary from his previous fines and suspensions. 1.4 million dollars for being a complete idiot. And the best bit about it is, just to summarise it even more, he leads the Bruins in points. He's got 49 points this year. Um, it just baffles me that a player of his ilk wants to undermine the talent that he's got and the ability that he's got in the sport just to be a prick is the way that I summarised on Twitter and I, I think that's that's it's just the only way I can say it um, I want to say one thing though as much I agree what you're saying in terms of you don't go for goalie the lack of reaction from Penguins <laughs> yeah. was as disappointing you, now, you, I know you mentioned that it could have been a reaction to a stick or something like that and you know, I'm not going to lie and I'm saying it as, as, as podcast versus a goalie. We have battles every game. You come into the crease, you'll give a punch, you'll give a stick, you'll get a stick back. The battles happen every time. It's nothing new. So unless he's done a nut job, 
and we sticked him really badly on the wrist or the ankles. We should give you a reading from somewhere, mate. But the cue said, oh, he sticked him. Come on. No. No, if you're going to do that, squirt him. Push him, say, right, let's go. Those aren't off the chart in terms of you can't offer the fight. If you're that aggravated by what he's done, ask him. Well, like you said, you know what? And we've watched games for our respective NHL teams where we've seen, we've gone for him, we're going to go for you. And that's why. Yeah. It, it, the play was, was cowardly. I think, if I was Jerry, and that first interval, I think I may have launched things at everybody. I don't think anybody would have been um, free from criticism because even if it was just someone just to push him away and just put him on his backside for doing that, never mind jumping him or never mind punching him, just to do nothing. Yeah. I think if I, I must say if I was I would have been yeah, I think I'd have uh, lost recall because it was, it was poor from uh, Marshall, but it was equal not equal, but as bad from the Pittsburgh Penguins, if I'm honest with you. No, watching, I was say, watching the video, it looks like Latang's gone for him, and then two Bruins players come from behind and just pulled him back. One person that's actually gone to go for it is like out of the full team, out of the full, full players that are on the ice. It's like, come on now. And the one person who's the in but Crosby doesn't even do it, and he just gets hold of him at the end of it. Mm. This was exactly my point. This is the part that I alluded to when I said that I'll come back to players not sticking up for other players. That's yeah, what yeah. I was to earlier. It drives me mad. Gary was actually okay with it, you know. Gary was actually okay with it. Actually, basically, the response was pretty much it's hockey. <laughs> Which, he looks like he was just laughing. Yeah. You'll find most goals will laugh. Yeah. Um, I don't. But that's I don't like humour. Um, but most goals, it's, I think the higher the chain you go in terms of the standard of hockey, you have to have a more uh, laughable approach because if you lost your rag every time and you redeemed a liability, you wouldn't get games. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's as poor from, from Pittsburgh. But I, and I, I know you, you talked about it previously um, and we kind of came, came to some form of similar conclusion of, yeah, Call for Marshall, but you know, even if just someone just swung it, even with the glove on, just swing and punch it. Take the two minute, fine. But it's not a penalty you can actually kind of go, do you know what? Okay, you don't want to take penalties, but it's serving a purpose. Yeah. Hey. Well, uh, say, to quote uh, a Mighty Ducks film, two minutes, well worth it. I'd be saying game is fun, well worth it, but uh, that's just yeah. that was me. It wasn't even his first altercation with Jared. That's that's the worst thing. This early on in the game, Jared got the puck on the end of his stick in a breaking play, and he went. He was about to go and flip the puck into the Penguins crowd for a fan to have the puck, and Marshall skated past and slashed his stick, slashed, slashed the puck out, grabbed the puck, and skated off. And you just think already then you're just doing this to be a dick. That's that's literally the only reason you're doing it. There's, there's mind games then there's that. I mean, as I say, he summarised it with licking players, which just I, just, I don't know, I don't know how he didn't go off on a stretcher when he licked someone. Because honestly, there, there are some players in the NHL, can you imagine him going up and licking Tom Wilson? Oh, please. Can you go off on a spinal board if he did that to Tom Wilson? I'd like, I'd like to see, like to see that. 
But that, that's the thing. But that, to me, it's just it's baffling. The whole thing was ridiculous. The whole thing actually just makes me laugh, to be honest, because I just think it just summarises Marshandle perfectly. Uh, and I have no issues with saying he's a great player. His, his hockey ability is fantastic. But if you watch the Bruins and you have any defence for Marshand's antics like this, the amount of times that he could have ended someone's career in the past, in the past, I'm not, I'm not saying this incident was as bad, the amount of times that he's done clipping, he's had slew footing, you know, there was one way that literally, I, think, I can't remember who it was against, he got done for clipping, and literally the guy pretty much landed on his head. And this guy's protected by the league. And that sums it up. The first thing that happens, he punches Jerry, the first thing that happens, the lineups come in, pull Marshand back. It's almost like they had an earpiece from Bettman saying, protect my asset. And it just baffles me. So, yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm disappointed in the Penguins team for not doing anything. Uh, I'm happy that we got the win because I hate the Bruins anyway, but I'm disappointed in the Penguins team for for them not doing anything else because, to me, you know, he he, he should have been going off with a few more bruises and, uh, and whatever else because... You know, he wanted a pace in for that. You don't touch the goblet, simple as that. What message has that just sent to Christian Jarrett? We've not got your back, mate. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, anything else on this on this one, boys? Sorry, I, I kind of went into a... Went down a rabbit hole, as I would say, but there's no staff in here, so... Thank you, as I would say. Now we're good. So, uh, I'm going to stick with the NHL just for a little bit, um, just because it would be difficult for us to skim straight past the All-Stars. Um, I think we've all actually said before this, none of us have watched the three-on-three game, uh, but we all watched the skills comp. So I'm presuming the conversation will be more tilted towards the skills comp than anything else. But uh, a great weekend, uh, skills comp in Vegas. Actually, interesting. there's a ball hockey tournament at the same time for spitting chiclets in Vegas at the same time. And that had people like uh, Pavel Barber playing in it, which if you've never watched Pavel Barber, YouTube him, uh, because the, guy, the stick skills that that guy has is uh, inhuman. They're, they're absolutely incredible. Um, I actually don't know what the scores were in the three-on-three, in three boys, actually. I'm not going to lie. So if anybody's got them there, please feel free to chime in. I'm trying to track back, but I don't know if they're on there. Yeah, and, okay. um, so the, the Metropolitan beat the Pacific 6-4 with Tom Wilson scoring the first goal uh, Central beat Atlantic 8-5 and then the Metropolitan beat Central 5-3 just to prove that the Metropolitan is the toughest and probably better skilled division in the NHL um, yes Griff you can check your head um, well, you guys suck anyway. <laughs> you guys are losing the Canadian division. I don't think the word with how bad the picking hubs are at the moment. I don't know. I think you give them a game. We already have done and we beat them. Maybe, maybe we need a game, uh, seven game series just to entertain the masses. Not for the cup, just for to entertain the masses. Um, but now, you know, Viva Las Vegas. Uh, great skills contest. Um... I loved the outdoor stuff. Yeah. Um, whether it was done before the skills contest was live, who cares? Um, if we're honest, the skills contest the weekend is just something to sell the game and just to, to pump the tyres of the, of, of the game, the NHL game. And you, you actually got to see some of the characters and the characters of the people because 
the one thing with the NHL, and obviously we've mentioned many times about our respective teams, you don't get to know on ice characters. But the All Star Weekend usually tends to be off ice. How they mix, how, how they interact. You hear, you listen to the uh, mic talk, because they're all most of the mic talk when on the bench during skills. And you, you get to see a different side of players. Now, watching it on the um, set on the Friday nights, you know, Chris Kreider, for me, he's just the antichrist of everything that's hopping. Um, he, where, he plays for the wrong team in New York. Everything that's bad about hockey, because he plays for the Rangers. But you saw the character when you go, do you know what? Fair play. And you have that for other people, other players in, in, in a different division. The breakout contest, as always, is the highlight. Um, robbery. There's, there's only one winner of that. Zegers. Um, average Joes. Um, you know, Quinn's effort, that was... Uh, but, you know, that's what I said to post. But it was fun. When he did the magic thing and his brother went and stole the shot and that one. You mean Jack? Yeah, well, that's it. That's it. Quick, Husey. My apologies. <laughs> I was going to say, has he got the wrong brother in him? <laughs> Not the wrong surname. Never mind, brother. Um, but Jack Hughes. Um, but overall, yeah, it was fun. It was it was entertaining. He did a good job. And like I say, you, you see, you know, players of the Ilka Stamkos um, and all them together just, you know, chewing the fire, oh, hitting the puck. But as a fan of the game, I'm already won that, so. I did, I did enjoy the, the Blackjack one the most. Just for Joe Pavelski going, yeah, I'm going to go for this card, this colour, suit. Bam, gets it straight off. I think he had like six or seven shots. He didn't miss a single one, and he called them all out. Like, okay, mate, we know you're good at accuracy, but Jesus, that's amazing. The one I was kind of disappointed at, because I thought, obviously in the speed skating, I thought my David would have had it, but obviously he didn't. <laughs> So that was a surprise, but also like, a shock as well. More of a, a shock than a, oh mate, you're not actually doing, wow, okay. <laughs> Think, uh, I think, I agree with Zegras got robbed. It did make me laugh when, it was it Derek Carr came out and they did the American football goal? Yeah. That was, that Derek was quite Waller, funny. Frow, they had Derek Waller on the uh, no, De- no, they had Waller on the um, the panel, didn't they? <laughs> so I, was, I was enjoying that. <laughs> oh, that's a rage fan you would. <laughs> yeah. But it was that made me laugh and then obviously the reason why he gave a, a score of seven, that also made me laugh. Because obviously that's how much you get for a touchdown mm. and a conversion. <laughs> I think the whole event itself, it just made to give you a, show you the side of it's not all serious, we can all have fun and games. You look at previous ones like John Scott, that's brilliant. 
you know, this year, Tom Wilson. The league disagreed. Yeah, but the fans all agreed, so we pay that we pay that money, obviously. It was I'd say I would have thought they would have gone for the the goalie one where they had to keep shutting out the players and seeing how many they could get. And I think the highest was nine. And the weird thing was, obviously, Vasilevsky was one of the goalies. You had a Toronto goalie as well. So it was like, yeah, I can see Vasilevsky doing well, but then uh, yeah, Toronto, everyone knows the jokes about that. You're thinking, oh, okay. But all in all, I thought that was actually pretty decent. It's one of those those tournaments, and I know a lot of people say it's boring. Um, to me, it showcases the sport from a side that you don't see. Like you guys have said, you see the personalities of certain players. You see the lack of personalities of other players. Um, and I mean, I'm going to two specific ones in. Zach Wierenski, after he'd won the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the face-off challenge in, the, uh, in front of the Bellagio Fountains, when he interviewed him afterwards, and it was just this monotonic. I think at one point she turned around and said, have you been practising for this? And he just said something like, well, I can't really practice at the Bellagio Fountains. And it was like, okay, yeah, mate, okay. Just, let's just, just get him off the screen. But, um, you know, you, you do see a lot of those um, those personalities on the ice. Zegris, absolutely insane move. Absolutely robbed out of it. And I know it's a bit of fun, but what a move that was. And uh, I know people were saying, oh, I'm sure he could see through the blindfold. Apparently, actually, John Gibson doubled up the blindfold, which he wasn't supposed to do. Apparently, it was supposed to be just a single blindfold, so he could see. Uh, apparently, that made it a lot more difficult. But if you take the blindfold off that, it's still a sick move. Um, but, yeah, the whole, the whole thing was great to watch. The whole thing's always good fun to, to me. I enjoy watching it. Um, it's nice to see certain players that have been voted in. Uh, it's always nice to see the player that gets booed. It was quite funny watching Tom Wilson get booed. Uh, it was also quite funny, like you say, Dave, then to see him score the first goal of the three-on-three, see him put a slap shot up of above 100 mile an hour. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, it was, it was a great competition, gents, and, uh, you know, it was good fun to watch. I, I've still got the three-on-three to watch, and I still intend to watch the three-on-three. Uh, it's just been a, a long week. There's <laughs> really no time to do it so far, but um, a great showcase for the sport, as always. And also nice to see a bit of Vegas and a bit of uh, you know, playing into the city that they were that they were featured in as well. Add it to the list of things to do on Sunday. That's true, yeah. I, I don't think there's any more time for things to do on Sunday, mate, unless we do it in the morning after we woke up. <laughs> Um, see you again, mate. You're I'm saying the yeah, accelerator on Sunday's going to be cramped up. There's going to be no time to fall asleep. Yeah, that's true. That's a problem. We might not watch the NHL at night. We'll just have a sleep at night before we go. He <laughs> <laughs> set an alarm. Someone must wake up, surely. But um, no, gents, honestly, it's. Uh, I, I love watching all sorts. I actually priced up going to Vegas, uh, and I was actually quite good because then I. Um, I got a new car and ended up getting some money from the extra car. And I was kind of sitting there going, if I'd have done this a month ago, I'd have gone to Vegas for the All-Stars. So, mate, you can put thumbs up as much as you want. I could go to Vegas for two weeks and what you're paying for four days. <laughs> <laughs> I priced it up a week for All-Stars. It's going to cost me 650 
That's why I was gutted. I could have paid that with the money I got for my car. <laughs> but, um, no, I love it. I've been very open about how much I love Vegas, and I've been very open about how much I want to go back. Like, honestly, Gref, you will absolutely love it there. Um, and I genuinely want to go back so badly. But, um, I, I honestly, I priced it up. I did debut with New Year's Eve, and I priced it up. Um, Yes, so I, I definitely. To me, I don't know what you guys think, and as I say, I know some people think All Stars is boring. I know some NHL fans don't even particularly get into the spirit of All Stars, but uh, it's, it's up there on my bucket list. Just just below Winter Classic, it's up there on my bucket list. Yeah. All Stars. Uh, 100%. But I think in Venice, North American fans don't even get the international stuff. If it's up there, the club side is nothing. Um, case in point. Uh, Friend of mine who steals fans is also an Islanders fan. If the Islanders are in the playoffs, he doesn't give a damn what Team USA do in the World Championships. Now, to me, I'd have a meekle. But I think that's the mindset of the European hockey fan that where it's their club side or nothing. If I had the chance to go to um, and also we can and I'd like to think given we have a new building that one may be soon in New York um, it's, uh, it's something to do something on the list yes that's a shadow of a doubt yeah 100% boys 100% and now mate the uh, the, the MB is uh, as, well as much as I'll cover up the MB is high that you're going to Vegas I'm telling you you're going to get a fist on the Vegas the, the, uh, the Raiders shop I'm telling you now <laughs> forget the Raiders it's got a full list Forget the, uh, the list. Forget the Reddish shop. It's the list of Pig Whitney. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's going to be the thing. You have to take an extra bag and pay extra to bring like, back like 10 bottles of Pig Whitney. We'll, we'll chip in for the luggage cost, honestly. It's, it's fine. Right. Absolutely. It's fine. <laughs> in fact, if you take the bag on the way there, you can take one of us with you and we'll just go in the bag. It's fine. Just make it a big bag. <laughs> but no, honestly, gents... Um, Always a great weekend to watch. It never disappoints for me. Um, nice to see someone else win the fastest skater. I actually I had, I had higher hopes for Dylan Larkin, to be fair, because he's got some he's got some wheels. But um, you know, also nice to see Kiru get it because you don't really hear about Kiru. So for him to beat Conor McDavid, uh, I was listening to Spitting Chicklets earlier, and apparently uh, they went out on the. Thursday night when they all got to Vegas and they were all saying, oh, yeah, do you like to have some drinks? Oh, and, and the Kiru was there and they were saying, oh, do you want a drink? And he was like, no, I'm not drinking tonight. I'm going to win the fastest skater tomorrow. He think, fair play, mate, fair play. That's you set your expectations high to beat Conor McDavid. And you two crushed. All-Stars weekends that McDavid hasn't won the fastest skater. Yeah. After winning it three years, I think it was three years on the trot, um, he's lost to a guy from St. Louis and he lost to Barzell. The last time they also we can. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. invented the fastest skater. That's it. He's done. Who would have thought you ever said that about Conor McDavid? He, um, he's a fastest. Yeah. I know a lot of the players in their fastest skater. They took that last turn way wide. I think that's what did Larkin. He, he his skate collided with the boards, didn't he? Cause he took it that wide. Yep. I think, I think it would be Demon Kreider. Yeah. Yeah, who would have put Kreider up there in events? Well, give us something to laugh at. That's true, that's true. Uh, anything else on All-Stars, gents, or shall we draw a line under an HL? No, nothing on All-Stars, but they did announce that the same weekend that the Global Series is returning. Check. 
date. Uh, there'll be pre-season games in Ger- in Switzerland and Germany with the actual league game with the Helsinki and the Czech Republic. So, uh, yeah. The NHL's coming come back to Europe. Germany's getting some great sporting events because they've also confirmed the AFL, yeah. league game as well. We were talking about it. Because Munich and Frankfurt are going to be in the city. But Munich's going to be at the, the Bayern Munich team, which is a phenomenal stadium. That is... I've been done the tour there. That is one hell of a stadium. So, a uh, trip to Munich for the uh, NFL then, boys, yeah? Down for it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Prague... It's the only place I can see it being because they have the, the O2 Prague 17,500. Uh, I've got a funny feeling that these guys, Hernandy, when he hears this, will be uh, is a booking agency being open for that one. Yeah. Highly possible. Have we got... Uh... It depends because if it's October, then we may struggle with uh, Vegas. True. We've also got partway drive, Joe. We do also have partway drive. Buzzing. Buzzing. Dave's like partway drive, yeah? Yeah. That's, that's the road you come off partway to go to, to, to Costco, isn't it? I'm, I'm sure partway drive used to be cigarettes in the 80s. Partway drive is legitimately the exit you take off of partway to get to Costco in Sheffield. Every time I drive down there, I'm like, <laughs> partway drive. <laughs> but yeah. But now, anything else on NHL then, gents? That's me done. I've got one more thing to say on NHL, but I wanted it to be the last thing, so I'll add this in now. I don't think we could say it. We said it when Lundqvist retired, and I think it would be uh, it would be short-sighted if it's not just to me- just not to mention uh, Tuukka Rask has announced his retirement now. Um, you know, he's won one Stanley Cup. He's won. Did you get the you get a conspire fan here? No. No, we didn't. But he's won the Vezina. He has won the Vezina. That's probably the one that I was looking at. Um, if you look through it, he's got the NHL best save percentage in 2009-10, Stanley Cup champion in 10-11, finished player of the year in NHL most shutouts in 2012-13. 13-14, he got the Vezina. He was in the All-Star team. Most shutouts with seven and an Olympic bronze medal. 16-17, he was in the All-Star game. And then 19-20, he was in the All-Star game. It was selected but didn't play. Uh, NHL's lowest goals against... And the NHL's second all-star team. Um, a great career for Tuukka Rask. Um, and I think only fitting that he signed a contract just to play four more games for Boston this year just so he could retire officially as a Bruin. Yeah. Uh, he's one hell of a servant to the Bruins. Um, I think he was hoping to get more games. I just think the surgery... I think he knew the risks of the surgery that was obviously well kept from the public domain. Um you can't deny the talent that Tuukka Rask had um, and yeah he's just another one of the, uh, the generational goals that we had um, it is now hung up you know you've got Lundqvist you've got um, Rask we, we were lucky to see that talent of goalies yeah. across the board so uh, congratulations on a, a great career um, also it's good that Thomas he, he had this career with one team it was a one-team player. That kind of has a bit more value for me. Yeah. Yeah. As much as other goalies were great and was traded around with their choice, but to have that career with one team, 
That's his kind of sweet, so uh, enjoy retirement. Yeah, it's three top Scandinavian players are retiring. Our three goalies as well. Lundqvist, Pekka Rene and Rask. Yeah. That's... Oh, Christ. Imagine them three in a, in a team. Imagine. Them, th- them three in their prime. In fact, fairness, them three in, in, in the late 30s would still be as good as many goalies. Right, so you, we, we've been blessed to have a, a, a generational batch of goalers that were just off the charts. Um... Sets the bar high for the, uh, the new generation of goalies. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Uh, you say about um, you know players that have made the career with one team. In fairness, I, I know that you signed for the Caps, but I really think you really... No, you do. Well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and did any of you two watch the ceremony? No, I've seen bits of it. I watched it afterwards. Um, and the Rangers didn't go... Um, but they did. That, that was a great ceremony for probably one of their best players in the last 10 years uh, and probably one of their greatest players of all time being amongst some of the greats that's wore that jersey um, yeah it's, uh, but I must admit when you got to McEnroe just waltzing on and uh, giving him a, a guitar as a gift is, as far if as anything, the, if anything, so Manhattan, so just Broadway, everything, that was it. It's, it's weird to compare the two because you look at it and you say, you know, the careers that they both had, and to me they both had some kind of maltreatment at the hands of their respective teams. I mean, obviously, Lundqvist, I wasn't impressed with the way that he was treated at the end of the, the Rangers side, and obviously they had two great goals in... Um, Svechnikov, and I can never remember the other guy's name. That's the one, Gorgiev. So I understood that, but, you know, with the server that, that, that Lundqvist had been for the club, the way that he was treated towards the end to me just didn't sit right. And then Rask was absolutely slated and, and really, really thrown out. Yeah. But it was before that anyway. Every time they got yeah. kicked for playoffs, every time they lost a playoff game, anything like that, Rask was the one at fault. And I, I think, to be fair to you, he rarely was the one at fault. He was, he was a great goalie for them. I think across the, the teams, I think the phrase, you don't know what you had till it's gone, is yeah. going to be so... And they've got good goalies, don't get me wrong. I mean, you said the Rangers, um, you know, Sterkin and Gogo. They've got great goalies, but when you have a talent that's Hall of Fame Lundqvist showing first year showing uh, Russ I think he'll be showing uh, same with Pekarini when you, when you don't have them and when you criticize like you said they all criticise and slated and then you go geez we had that and to be lucky that you had that Yeah, 100%, mate, 100%. We got anything else on the NHL, gents, or are we, uh, we happy to leave it at that? Yeah. Sounds all. We'll swing back to the domestic league. That's the last thing that we've got that's not elite league related. Uh, obviously, in the in lieu of Stafford being here, we all going to overtake Stafford's stats. That is, uh, that is Stafford's stats. 
What I am going to do is just read briefly the standings currently, and that's because it ties in perfectly to the next thing that we have on the agenda. Uh, in the league, we have the Steelers sit on the top, 30 games played, 51 points. Cardiff Devils in second, 34 games, 49 points. Belfast Giants with 31 games, 47 points. In fourth, it's Nottingham, 30 games, 31 points. Guildford, 31 from, uh, games, 28 points. Uh, Coventry Blaze have got 27 games, 26 points. Glasgow, 28 games, 26 points. Uh, Manchester are just above that playoff line at the moment, 31 games, 25 points. Dundee, 28 games, 23 points. And at the bottom of the league, there's five with 30 games, 17 points. The reason that I've just read that out, gents, is because the next and last thing other than predictions that we've got on the agenda is a discussion about the title race as it currently stands. Um, I'll, I'll just give the prelude to this. The primary reason that I've added this is because, obviously, we, we spoke before. Gress put the kiss of death on the Steelers now because he said what he said a few, uh, a few episodes ago. Uh, so, in, in the interest of keeping it for a... Um, a family-friendly podcast. We'll just say thank you very much for that, Gref. Um You're very welcome. Wrong podcast. I was waiting for that. Um, <laughs> but the reason that I wanted to add it is because as much as the Steelers are at the forefront of the league at the moment, you look at the results that they've had, you know, Dundee, close game, Glasgow, close game, even Fife, close game. And then you look at the Belfast Giants and it's just every game, goals are plenty, conceding next to nothing and as a Steelers fan I'm not going to lie it makes you sweat <laughs> it makes you sweat before talking about the top three I think it just shows this, the, as much as we feel that it's a problem you know, in terms of the goal chain the closest across all ten teams you look at Nottingham or fourth and they're closer to tenth than they are to third in terms of points Jesus, I've spotted that. So you, you notice you can take... Now, we mentioned, only because obviously we're in the games that happen, but it's not it's concerning how close the games are for Sheffield. You'd like them to win in like Belfast style. I'm a bit old school in terms of the phrase, runs on the board. Yeah. At the moment, Sheffield have runs on the board. And Cardiff and Belfast are chasing. Using a quick analogy, if you're chasing, you take risks, you make mistakes. Now, when he will come. Absolutely. Now, yes, yeah, Sheffield have four games in hand on Cardiff. They have a game in hand on Belfast, but you can kind of. That's neither here nor there. It's going to go back and forth. But here are two things. One, potentially, best case scenario, Sheffield could even be going to Belfast in all time to potentially put Having said that, though, worst case scenario, Belfast could be going to Sheffield the month after to put both hands on the trophy. As much as Belfast for me are behind Cardiff, Cardiff will be third fourth. I think we could, it's fair to say that they'll. they'll, they'll Decide who wins it, but they'll not win it. Um, I think the blips they had at the beginning of the season did too much damage for them to have a, a realistic shot. Sheffield and Belfast are going to collapse badly for Cardiff to, to get in. Um, now, to look at Sheffield, 
the fixtures, they don't play Cardiff or Belfast till the end of February. I think that's, it works out at something like it's five games until we play Belfast until um, the doubleheader in March. And the only other team in the top bracket is not in that Sheffield play. If that's only once. So theoretically, and it's purely theoretically, the running for Sheffield is a heck of a lot easier than the runnings for, for Cardiff and Belfast. But with the easy running, theoretically, a lot more banana skins, a lot more potentials to go, oops, there's an upset, oops, there's an upset. Now, like you said, Joe, Belfast is scoring for fun. Right? And you could go, you know, they've, they've probably got as good a shout as a Sheffield. But on the only game they've played against each other this season, it was Sheffield who scored for fun. Dominated. Absolutely dominated. Uh, so, yes, you can't deny Sheffield have an easy running. But like you say, the, the games are closer. If Sheffield start winning it more convincingly, three, four games, sorry, three, four, three, four goals to get in, then you kind of go, okay, be a bit, as a Sheffield fan, you'd be a little more, more confident. Now Manchester, Sheffield have got in the next uh, two to three weeks, both home and away. Um, they're not going to make it easy. And especially in their barn, they're going to, I know for a fact, Affinity's going to do everything. If they can't win, they're going to hurt. Finish play well. I'm not criticising for it, but you know that's what's going to happen. So, it's going to be a fascinating running. I'll be honest with you. Best case scenario, we could win it in Belfast. Tell you what. Well looked after. Yeah, like you mentioned, Belfast scoring for fun. I mean, they scored, what was it, 120 goals? I only conceded 57. It's the highest and lowest goals for and goals against in the league. That's just crazy. I think Belfast will, yeah, Belfast have had a, a few games where it's been an upset where well, for example, when they came to uh, Alter and lost 3 0 to us. Yeah, you You're welcome. It was that one of those are the games where you like, okay, we didn't see that happening. Those games could still happen for you guys. You could go up to Kakadi, for example, and lose there. We nearly did. Exactly, you could, it could actually happen now, even further. It's like, you, these, these, well, these type of games, they're, you're going to put everything into it, but putting all everything into it can also mean you're prone to mistakes where you could be 4-1 up or even 4-0 up against the team and... In like five, well, a few minutes where you drop off, 
bar. Five goals have gone in. And then you say you've, that's, you've lost that game. And, for example, Belfast won theirs. They could, in fact, like, possibly leapfrog you guys. So it's like, yeah, this is going to be, I think, from now until uh, the 16th of April. It'll be squeaky bum times for you guys. A few many goals the, the full length of the league. Regular season, that is. Hopefully, you guys will be thinking, hopefully, let's not go that far. Let's win it, say, 12th of March. When you're over in Belfast. Because the, the bars will be pretty well... Pretty well off, I'd say. Because they'll be getting a lot of money from yourselves. I'm sure they'll be getting some money from me. Because I'll be over there with yourselves. It'll be... I'd say from now it's going to... The league itself is going to be interesting. It's going to be... You're going to be checking the scores for everyone. You might be a Steelers fan or a Devils fan or a Giants fan. But you're also going to be like going... Right, we've sorted those teams out. We know where we stand with them. How's 6th, 7th and 8th doing in the league? Who are we going to play in the playoffs? Who don't we want to play in the playoffs? Because obviously you got you mentioned some teams of the bogey teams. So like yourselves, Glasgow. Imagine that. You you win the league, but then playoffs come. You don't make the final four weekend because you lost to Glasgow. It'll be one of those where you're like, okay, we've had a good season at least. Obviously, in this in this league, it's the league title. I can't really see. Obviously, eventually, we can't really see Nottingham breaking that top three. Not a chance. Not unless. They win, like, every single game going, and Belfast, Cardiff lose every single game. Well, that ought to be one hell of a, a drop for those two. I'd agree with you. It's going to be you guys or Belfast. The one thing that Belfast don't have in their favour is before... The, the first double header against Sheffield, which will be crucial either way, is they have two weekends, three games in three days. This weekend, double header in Dundee in five, and then the week before, two, three games in, against Guildford, two in Belfast, one over in Guildford. Three games in three, we'll take it out on the, on the roster. So, I don't think Sheffield have the three games in three. Well, I'll check whilst we've before before pass off to Joba. That will test Belfast to the mats. Especially this weekend. If they, start, if they have a bad result against Dundee first game, that's going to play on their head all the way through. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's going to be, as an outside looking in, about a fair bit of good watch. For those involved, not so much. 
Yeah, it's going to, it's a tough one to call, gents. At the end of the day, it's um, I don't want to say it. It's the first time in a while that we've seen this leaders lead the league at this point, and it's a great position to be in. And there's been games, Dave, where I've turned around to you and said this team feels like they could win it, and that's not me saying they will do. That's not me saying putting a kiss of death on it. That's that's nothing at all. Um, but there's been games where you watch the performance put in by our team and you go, this team is a championship winning team. There's been other games where you sit there and go, what the hell was that? You know, and a lot of the time it's the games against Dundee, Fife, Glasgow, and that's no slight on them, but you look at the standings, it shouldn't be against them. I don't know whether it's because we're getting complacent. I don't know whether it's because we're starting to you know, presume that we're going to win the lower games and, and fight against the top teams. But it, it's a tough one to call. And as I said, it, it's, you know, if you're a Steelers fan, if you're a Belfast fan, I agree with you, Dave. I reckon Cardiff will finish third this year. But they could decide it. But if you're a Steelers fan and you're a Belfast fan, I predict you're going to have a very nervous, a very um, twitchy, end to the season and uh, like I said I think by the end of the season there's going to be a few sweating in terms of uh, results particularly when it comes to the games on the 9th and 10th of April when Belfast played the rubber header in Sheffield um, you know as much as we want to see Sheffield lift it whoever lifts it this year will have put in a cracking effort and the Belfast team have been no, no nothing short of incredible at times uh, and I don't think that's 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 over overstating it you know, you look at some of their results. Greff, like you say, topping goals for, topping goals against. 57 goals against. They've conceded 14 less than Sheffield, who was second. And they scored three more. So, you know, an absolutely nerve-wracking for the two teams involved, but currently set up for what could be a fantastic end to the season this year, regardless of what team you support. I'm not going to ask who we're predicting because for obvious reasons me and Dave aren't going to say so but I've already said mine I've got I've got the button ready to put Graf on mute if he uh, if he says it <laughs> <laughs> but now go back fine. a few episodes ago yeah that's fine that's fine but now um, yeah it'll certainly be an interesting one Jen have we, uh, we got anything else to add on, uh, on the title race? I think it was just something that I, I wanted to say primarily, as I said, because of the recent results for both teams and Belfast were for fun. It certainly does make you a bit nervous as a Steelers fan. It does, it does make you nervous as a Steelers fan. Um, and I think it, with Griffin mentioned, you start looking at um, who you play in the playoffs. So it's an interesting time to kind of just reflect to evaluate the season gone. Um and I'll throw it in now that this podcast will have uh, the thoughts of over the next few weeks of what they think their season's gone, how it's gone, what, what they like, what they don't like, and how they finish. Um, so that'll be uh, some good listening in future episodes. Um, but yeah, um, as fast as happens, you want to be in the nervous position because that means you, you're in the mix, you're in the busiest end of the season. And you hate it, but at the same time you want it. Because if you're not, it means you, you, you obviously you're not there, you're not in the mix. 
anybody who's competitive, anybody who's a sports fan, you want to be in the mix. And right now, three teams in the mix. I suspect one team may dip out unofficially soon. But two teams, very much in the mix. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Anything else on... We'll have by the end of that season. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> hey, honestly, I mean, as much as... Don't get me wrong. It's great for you to win the league and you want to win the league. And if you can do that when you win the league weeks, months in advance at the end of the league, you know, it's great because you get to you get the feeling of winning the league. There's no better feeling than winning the league in a close contest like this. And like and we've we've seen it where we won it on goal difference or whatever that year with Ben Simon. Yeah. Like it, it, there's no feeling like it. It was it was regulation wins, weren't it? I mean that's as yeah. close oh, yeah. as you're gonna yeah. get. Wins. Yeah. As close as you're gonna get and it's just like Yeah. You you feel nervous, you feel sick all day. But as soon as you know it's done and this is any team that will just Sheffield but as soon as you know it's won as a sponsor one of the best feelings in the world yeah I think it's a good way to end it gents unless anybody's got anything else to add see you shaking heads so um, I've got it written down here socials because we always try and say socials before we go to predictions and we always forget I always forget so um, if you want to follow us on social media it's at NFC Podcast on Twitter and Instagram it's My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook it's My Fancy Zamboni Podcast discussion group if you want to get added to that um, you should be able to do it via our page if you can't drop us a message either if you've got one of us on Facebook or you know, if not drop the page a message we'll get you added to that ASAP um the other reason that we're plugging socials at the moment is currently at the moment, and it ties into the, the, you know, the league discussion as a whole, um, is that we've got things in the pipeline for upcoming weeks. Um, Dave has been interviewing away with, with, with a couple of people so far. We are trying to get interviews with fans across the league um, so that we can build a bit of a base in terms of get some opinions from other teams so you don't all have to just listen to three Steelers fans and a Manchester fan. Um, so keep an eye out on social media for that. Obviously, we'll confirm when that's coming out. Um, and yeah, in the meantime, keep getting in touch with us on social media as well. Obviously, if you've got questions, if you disagree with us, if you agree with us, please don't tell us who you think is going to win the league because we don't want to hear it because Greth's already put the kiss of death on that. But... Honestly, come to us with any questions. Come to us if you disagree with us. We, you know, we have no objection to being told that we're um, that we're wrong or that you disagree, and uh, it'd be great to have some more questions again soon. Um, gents, I think the only thing left that I've got is predictions. Unless anybody's got anything they want to add before then. I actually do. Uh, something we should have mentioned. Um, I would just remember midway through recording. Um, talking of Belfast. A huge night on the 1st of April, as in their eyes, the GOAT is going up to the rafters. Colin Shields' jersey will be officially written. And never mind as a GB um, performer, I can't think of anybody in recent times in Belfast who deserves his number to go up in the rafters. We, we know what, what College Shields has done. I think, is he the franchise leader in the league with points as well? I think he's the Belfast franchise. He's the lead goal scorer uh, for GB. Uh, no one has scored more goals. And he did it whilst the 
at the time the crit holder was in the building in Belfast, um, when GB beat Netherlands, I think it was 12 13 1. Um, and yeah, uh, a great servant for club and country. Um, Rose represented the game well. And like I said, I can't think of someone who doesn't really deserves the shape of time when they've gone. I hope that will be in a couple of years or whenever John o decides to finish it in Sheffield. But Shields is definitely in that bracket. And also uh, an NHL draftee um, with Philadelphia. No, says right. So uh, I, I, I just hope that, that, that night's a great night for him um, because Fairfield is in Belfast more than deserves it. Yeah. I totally agree with that. It's, it's a there's not much that I can really say that you haven't already mentioned. <laughs> He's one of the best GB players of the current or the latter generation coming through. It'd be one for the Scottish players to look up to. It'd be one for just the GB players to look up to. Especially over in Belfast as well. Is just an all right. It, a great player all around. There's not really much you can say. <laughs> yeah, we had the privilege of him in an orange shirt for a short while. Um, you know, you knew his heart was in Belfast, and that's not slight when he was playing for us. Um, but cracking player. Uh, he's done a hell of a lot for GB, for the Belfast Giants, for the league as a whole. Uh, and absolutely deserved night for his, uh, for his jersey to go up into the rafters. Um, anything else, gents? We're good to move on to predictions. So, Sue, Friday the 11th, we've got Dundee, Belfast in Dundee. Dundee, 3 2 no overtime. See, I've gone Belfast, 3 2 in overtime. I've got Belfast, 5 2. Uh, Manchester, Nottingham in Manchester. Manchester, 3 1. Nottingham, yeah, Nottingham yeah. 3 2. Nottingham 4 2. Uh, Saturday the 12th, Guildford v 5 in Guildford. Guildford 4 2. Yeah, I think, yeah, Guildford, I want revenge, so 4 1. And then you go Guildford 4 3. Cardiff, Nottingham in Cardiff. Cardiff 5-3. Cardiff 4-2. Cardiff 4-1. Sheffield Manchester in Sheffield. This is where we all pick our team. So I'm going Manchester 4-1. It's going to be a, a night in the office for you guys. Got back my team. I'm going to say three on Sheffield. Yeah, I'm going to say Sheffield 5-3. Glasgow Coventry in Glasgow. Glasgow 4-3. 
Population. Glasgow 5 3. There you go, Glasgow 4 3 in overtime. Uh, Dundee, Belfast in Dundee. Dundee 4 2. Dundee 3 1. And Sunday the 13th, Sheffield v Glasgow in Sheffield. Sheffield 4 1. Sheffield 5 2. Um, Sheffield 4 3 in Reg. Nottingham Cardiff in Nottingham. Nottingham 4 2. Nottingham 2-1 in overtime. Cardiff 5-2. Uh, Coventry Guildford in Coventry. Coventry 5-2. Coventry 3-1. Coventry 4-3 in overtime. Uh, last game, Fife Belfast in Fife. Belfast 4 3 regulation. I'm going Belfast 4 3 but on penalty shots. Ooh. And then Belfast 6 2. Uh, last of the games, gents. Last week. Um, some did better than others. Uh, I'll say that straight off. Uh, Dave, you were the uh, the worst of the pack last week. You got three out of all of the games available. Uh, Stafford got five. Gref, you and I were tied on eight. Um, so they were last week's results. Let's see if we can do any better this week. Other than that, gents, I've got nothing else written down. I believe you're missing four games. Am I? Wednesday. Wednesday? Wednesday next week. Uh, unless Flash goes his line, obviously. I looked for Wednesday. Is it Charles Cup or is it League? League. But it may be wrong, actually, because I'm looking at it. I'm looking Nottingham. We're playing Nottingham on Wednesday. Yeah, we are. Yeah, no, you are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I literally looked at that earlier and Wednesday wasn't there. Okay. Um, I'm going to find a space to write this down now. <laughs> God. <laughs> Um, you, you weren't going to make a mistake this week, mate. I said I was going to try not to make a mistake. <laughs> we know that's not going to happen. Uh, Wednesday, we've got Glasgow v Sheffield in Glasgow. 5-2 Sheffield. I will go 4-2 Sheffield. I'll go. Uh, I'll agree with you, mate. Sheffield 4-2. Uh, then we've got Dundee, Cardiff in Dundee. Dundee 3-1. Cardiff 4-1. Cardiff 
Nottingham, Manchester in Nottingham. Nottingham 3-2. Nottingham 3-2 in overtime. Manchester 4-3 in overtime. And Guildford, Coventry in Guildford. I'm going Guildford 2-1 in regulation. I'm trying to remember or work out if CJ Mott will be back for Coventry by then. Missed Wednesday's game, didn't he? Yep. Coventry 5-3. And that brings us to the end of predictions, guys. Um, <laughs> genuinely, I, honestly, when I looked earlier on, I swear to God, it's what it changed from Sunday the 13th to Saturday the 19th. So I have no idea where that's come from. So apologies for that, gents. Um, but, yeah, that's the last thing I've got written down. So unless anybody has anything else to say, anything else to add, I think that brings... Close to a close of episode 88. A mention of our game this weekend. Yeah, well, that's true. Well, we, we plugged our game last weekend. We played the uh, the Vikings in Nottingham. Uh, we had literally one line plus a change. Uh, and we took top of the league. You haven't dropped a point all year to uh, 2-2 at the end of the second period. Uh, the game ended 6-3. So uh, I think probably the, the loss that we were the happiest with so far, Dave. I don't know what you think, but... The effort was uh, outstanding. Effort were there in buckets. Uh, given, like I say, one change and the tightness that was starting to creep in, it was always good. was always going to find a, a way to, to get the goals, and uh, we, we did a, a sterling job. Um, for a defeat, you could actually be more proud of the performance. So, uh, and uh, Joe was man of the match. I was shocked by that. So, you and me yeah. both. You weren't even there. Exactly. Let's bring in the sass again. Don't even have anything to say about that. Don't even have anything to say about that. He's bringing the sass again. Hey, y'all. Um, yeah, no, we've got another, another game on, on Saturday um, where we play, uh, we play Manchester. So, Gref, you're playing your... Um, well, oh, resurrection of your former team. Yeah. Back to back to the Yeah. So, uh, hopefully, we can get... yeah, it will be fun. It will be fun. As uh, it kicks off the, uh, the sporting weekend perfectly. Yeah, I know. The eye roll sums it up perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> it's another thing. It's like another game, another week. We'll get, to, we'll, get to, we'll get to next week when we're driving home or whenever we drive home if we're safe and steals game Manchester it'll be like right that limb's kept on with gaffer tape and that limb's kept on with gaffer tape it's, uh, it's an unusual Joe's ankle Joe's ankle's screwed anyway it's an unusual schedule for ball hockey uh, but obviously with a lot of changes in COVID we've landed on our laps from that way but it's been fun one thing we can not not say it's, it's certainly been fun Yeah, it absolutely has. Um, I agree with you, no body's going to be in bits in a couple of weeks' time, but 
Buddy was in bits after Saturday, after Sunday, to be fair. Yeah. I was like, that was a, that was a fun drive home. Yeah. Is the leg still on? Yeah, the leg's still there. <laughs> it wasn't so much that, it was when we got home for me. Do you know, like when you've sat down for a bit and then you stand up and it's like, oh no, everything hurts. Everything hurts. I sat down, got the first broadcast on and I'm just like, oh, I could fall asleep here at any moment now. But yeah. Not, I've paid for this. I'm not fall asleep. It's not going to happen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. It's been a good few weeks in there. We get a few weeks off and then we have a tournament. Oh, yay. <laughs> but no, gents, no, it's saying Yeah, it should be good. should be a good few weeks. No, it's, it's, it's been a good few weeks for the, uh, for the Knights and the, the Lancers. Finally get a game after God knows how long, the beginning of March. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be good to get them going as well. Mm. But yeah. No, gents, if, if, that's, uh, if that's everything, I think... Uh, we're around about the two and a half hour mark as per the usual, so hashtag the MFZ way. Um, but yeah, no, uh, gents, thank you very much. Uh, Dave, thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you very much, Jeff. Uh, I know you're not here, Andy, but thank you very much. And to everyone who listens or has listened to this episode, yeah, thank you. Um, still baffled as to why you're still listening. Um, obviously, our version of Hockey. And saves you, so thank you for that. Um, and as we say every week, if you think what we say is as long as you disagree, tell us. We're not shy. We're not. We don't get offended easily. Let us know. Have some fun with it. Yeah. So thank you very much, guys. Um, as much as it's uh, the late hours on a Friday morning, um, it's always a pleasure to spend it with your guys. Yeah. No, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. And it wouldn't be a podcast if it didn't end with us watching some NHL as well. I've got a Penguins game on the other screen. <laughs> so. I've got a Buffalo game on. Well, you've got a West Coast tour. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no no staying up for the West Coast games. No, absolutely not. Oh. But no, Gref, thank you very much, sir. Looking forward to seeing you again at the weekend. Thank you very much for having me and to Dave as well. Unfortunately, Stafford is on IR, but he's back for the weekend, which is great news for us. We've got a change. We do. Two changes. Yeah. What do we do with two? You get a breather. Yes. A Bacardi breather. Oh, breather. It's over. Maybe later on. Football weekend with Bacardi breezes. The Denmark experience again. (laughs) No conga lines. No conga lines. Yeah, you have to go for that. <laughs> uh, but thank you to everyone that listens as well. You've stuck with us rambling on for 88 episodes and more to come. Can't wait. Yeah, 100%. As you guys have said, thank you to everyone listening. Thank you to you both. Hopefully, we'll get Andy back next week. Uh, I think we'll all agree it's not the same without Andy. It's always, uh, it's always good to have a full roster. Um, so, hopefully, he's back with us next week. Um, but yeah, gents, thank you very much. Everyone listening, thank you very much, and uh, hopefully we'll be back next week with another episode of My Fancy Zamboni.